Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value came in, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Okay, so episode 371 today with the great... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gina Carano. Now, before I, you know, I want to kind of go through the background and, and uh, uh, you know, a few things that she's done. If you remember the work that she's done, she's been in a lot of movies. Fast and the Furious 6, Deadpool, The Mandalorian, 2019, 2020. She was about to do her own series afterwards. There was a bit of a falling out with her and Disney. I mean, you know, I, I want to know how dinner went last night with Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger. I heard you guys had dinner last night, which is great. And and before that, she was a fighter, okay? And not just a regular fighter. Ronda Rousey said her inspiration to become a UFC fighter was Gina Carano. And by the way, her father was a quarterback for the Cowboys. Seven seasons, apparently. I don't even know that. I'm like, that's pretty wild, Sick. right? Yeah. Where, where the right, right genes are in there. And she doesn't do well with bullying. Uh, she, she doesn't like it when you try to force her to do something, specifically if the company's name is called Disney. She has a hard time with that. So if you, if you try to bully her, it won't work out in your favor. And aside from that, you know, we, we, we were going to have Adam on. Adam was so worried about today's podcast. Shivering. It was He's, shivering. He, he told the Uber to turn around. Never He's, left Miami. said, I'm not going to be able to do this. So <laughs> it's great to have you on. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you. So how was dinner last night with Bob Iger and Kevin Oh, it was Kennedy? fabulous. We figured it? everything out and the world is set straight. Really? What you guys talk about? How was it? <laughs> um, me taking over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for, before I'm people start tweeting, there was no dinner. That's a joke, by the way, for people that are maybe. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm like taking that. over. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> part, that part is a different story. Yeah, so I endorse that part. So, you know, look, I mean, all of us, we've been following your story uh, for a while. You know, we, we know you. We've seen you in movies. We've seen you fighting. We've seen you, uh, you know, going through what you went through with Disney. I think, when was it, 21, when they made a decision to go a different direction? Can you kind of walk us through? You know, what happened with Disney recently, the last three, four years? And today I read that Musk wants to help you out on the legal side. Kind of walk us through what's been going on lately. Um, do you want lately as in the version from where Musk came in? Go in from everything's going great with Disney. Fire. All of a sudden, <laughs> fire. Yes, go from there. To fire. Yes. Um, it was going great. Um, I... 
I was never political. Um, I think that uh, certain people in certain times of their life find themselves finally having opinions on things. So before, I'd always thought, you know, I pay my taxes. I do what I got to do. Um, I've met a couple of politicians and they seemed kind of gross. And so I was like never into the political um, it wasn't like I want to go find a politician husband someday, you know, yeah. <laughs> like because that wasn't my style. So I just kind of stayed out of it. Um, and then I started noticing things around 2020 that were um, concerning, like everybody did. I feel like I'm like the the average person who is just waking up to um, what is actually happening in the world in 2020. Um, and so I started expressing certain, you know, concerns about um well, first of all, like when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like I was thinking everybody's going to turn green and boils were going to mm, start yeah. happening and yeah. we're all just going to start uh, falling, you know, dead. And then, um, you know, and I was really nervous for those three weeks. And then I started noticing, OK, but wait, it's OK for a protest and it's OK, you know, to be that close to a cop and screaming and spitting in their face. Um, and we're not worried about COVID then. But we're worried about you know people going to churches, or we're worried about these smaller businesses. Um, uh, meanwhile, the bigger businesses are being kept open, and so it really just bothered me. And so I'd start, I started vocalizing those kinds of things. Gina, at the time, are, is that happening because of a, a guy you're with, friends you're talking to, friends in Hollywood that are behind closed doors saying, "What the f is going on? What is this all about? It's kind of weird." Is it because of a person you heard speak? What inspired you to be a little bit more vocal? Was there any individual involved in that inspiration? No, okay. I was uh, just, I had gotten wrapped season uh, two of The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. I think it was around March 2020. And I had time on my hands. Wow, that's the peak. That's when it that's, started, yeah. by the way, March yeah. 14th. That was the NBA I, day. I, that's yeah. right, NHL, NBA. We were in L.A. We were going to do a board meeting, and all of a sudden, boom, board is canceled. No one's showing up, and we have to fly back to Dallas. Yeah, I think we wrapped uh, season two of Mandalorian uh, March 20 or March 4th or 5th, 2020. Before. Wow. And then I just start like looking up you know, online, and I start doing my own research, and I start just kind of, you know— trying to develop my own opinions like I don't keep a lot of people around me I have my family and my family's very um non-political like you know talking about politics in my family is um not something I grew up with at all because we're in the service industry in my family and so it's about you know you you let anybody you know come to the table and just you know believe what they believe and wasn't your dad um, like a executive at a casino what did he do at a casino what was his uh, yeah we uh we're in the after football yeah we're in the casino business Casino I, business. we I, I say my family is in the casino got business. it okay so and they keep they keep their you know beliefs to themselves and they have never i mean i i wouldn't even be able to tell you who's like a democrat or a republican or independent in my family because we just don't talk about it it's um you know, if you're in a service industry, you're having people come from all over the that's world. Right. So, you know, like that's what you keep off the table. What was the and while you're in Hollywood doing movies and you're around, you know, a lot of people that you're doing all these movies, were you starting to see any signs of weird things going on or was it sudden in March of 2020 that everything got kind of weird? It was sudden. Okay. I wasn't paying attention. I you know, I was so focused on building a career and having come from professional fighting uh, when I started in 2021, you're just like constantly trying to keep working, constantly trying to get that next job. And, you know, being on a series of Mandalorian and actually getting the second one and, you know, having a show that was that's like 
that's peak <laughs> because mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. can start doing yeah. the stuff that you really, really want to do. So I, it was very sudden for me. When you, when you went vocal and, and like, when was the first time the world, was there a tweet? What was it that you said? Yeah. I know you said some things about BLM. I know you said some things about a few different things. What was the first thing you said that got the world to say, wait a minute, what kind of a position is she taking here? Well, I mean, I was, you know, when I saw the George Floyd thing happen, you know, I did do the whole black square in my Instagram. For you a, did do it. I did, you know, and um, even at the beginning of COVID, I did say, you know, there was this really funny thing where I was like, you know, uh, we need to keep the masks for the hospitals so you can make these little masks out of your bras uh, if they're padded. And oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, you know, I was participating and I yeah. was like, you know, I wanted, you know, from my my heart, I wanted everybody to be OK and I didn't want them to be f- fearful and I wanted us to all. But then I started watching more of what was happening from a different perspective and my perspective grew. And then I took the black square out because I was like, oh. Um, and then I was like, and, and not because I don't think that things are like not messed up or wrong. It's just because, you know, trendy stuff is just, <laughs> it's not where I want to be. So, so the black square you do. I did and all- put it, took it off. And, and the black square was basically like, I, every time anything happens in the world, I only want to tell them like, you know, I, I want to tell people, take a breath, take a moment. Um, there's going to be a lot of emotional reactions and, um, if we take a breath and really kind of like hear what ha- what actually transpired, um, let's get there. Um, but it's really hard for. I think that's imp- that's important to to for for the audience because it's not like you're a staunch conservative Republican libertarian. There's no way I'm doing this. You've always been like this, and you're not going to put the black square. No, no, you're actually like no. This is I'm noble. Like, this get is your not- bras out. Put it on your face. That's right. <laughs> So you're doing this, and then at what point are you like, no, this is ridiculous? It was really when um, the the protest started happening, and I realized, wait a second, <laughs> you're. I come from you know a family that started, you know, both my grandfather started their businesses from scratch, and so you're shutting down all of these mom and pop and smaller restaurants, and you know you're keeping up on Walmart, and you're, and it's just like I started really feeling for. Um, you know, those, those people that were getting destroyed during that time. Um, and it was the hypocrisy that I had the biggest problem with. Like if you can go to a protest then you can go to church, which church for a lot of people is where, you know, you can calm yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or walks on the beach and living in California, they were destroying the volleyballs, the, the, the volleyball, you know, like they were chasing people on the beach who were going for a walk, <laughs> who were around no one. And so that pissed me off. Like it did a lot of people. Again, nothing to do with you watching a Joe Rogan podcast or the news or reading an article. This is all you individually. You're like, this shit doesn't make sense. Yes. Okay. So then public, what's the first public uh, 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 outlet where you gave a message where people in Hollywood are like, wait a minute, what's this all about? What did you say that pissed um, some people off? I, there's a number of things that piss people off. I think I um, I told people to open up their businesses. If you know you can write on the streets, you can open up your business. That's Common sense. Right. Um, uh, I told people, um, gosh, I think the first real massive uh, problem that I really really ran into was the. <laughs> when it sounds so silly right now to say the the beep bop boop. Yeah, the trans. I mean, I. <laughs> 
like, I don't know how I'm going to explain this later on in life, if you know, to family or to my nieces and be like, you know, what happened there? I'm like, well, <laughs> I beat Bob and Boop <laughs> a little too hard, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, I put the beat Bob Boop in my, my profile just only to show that you can, um, to expose the bullying that was happening online that, um, you know, we see so well now, but, you know, four years, three years ago, we, you know. Which which one prompted Disney or executives or your agent or managers from Hollywood, bless you, to call you and say, hey, Gina, you can't do that. We're about to get you a big job. You cannot post this. Please take this off. They never said we're, you know, you. they said, um, they never said that. They said, uh, we need to educate you about the beat bop. And <laughs> Who's they? The publicists and the publicists who are answering to the higher ups. And this, these publicists that you're paying or somebody else is paying? Well, actually both. And that's a very uh, good question. Um, publicists, uh, the way that Hollywood works and the way it's been happening is like I can hire a publicist for four to $6,000 a month, mm-hmm. right? And it could, they could be working for me. Mm-hmm. But they're, some of them are answering to Disney. That's why I asked Disney, the question. Yeah. Right? And so Disney's got their own publicist. And so you've got the agents, you've got the managers, you've got the publicists, and everybody's like so excited about these bigger companies that they're not really taking care of the individual. And um, then you've got the media, and everybody's got their own journalists that they call to put out information. And it's like, it's a, a mafia, and a, you know, a person does not stand a chance when they're, you know, <clears throat> not going along with the narrative. So they, the publicist calls you uh, uh, both. And then who else, like from high up brass, did anybody from high ranking brass, Disney, did anybody call you and say, this is not going to work out, let us educate you on what's the right approach or no? No, actually, um, you know, I, I offered that. You know, I said, you know, if uh, Kathleen Kennedy would like to get on the phone with me, I have no problem with that. Let's let's talk about this. I've met her a couple of times, and obviously this is coming from that direction. Um, uh, please, I'd love to talk woman to woman about, you know, anybody who I talk to. I was trying to be very agreeable at the same time I'm dealing with when you get canceled. I don't know. <laughs> it is the, the hardest thing, one of the hardest things I've ever been through, especially because I was so naive of what was happening. Um, now... It's a lot different. Now I would have handled it differently and I would have been a lot calmer. But like I got so stressed to the point of like my skin hurting. And I was just like, you don't want to be disappointing people. You don't want to be disappointing the best job you've ever had. But at the same time, when you feel like your line is here and people are intruding over into your um, this protective space that would make it feel like you're betraying yourself, then, you know, (laughs) you just... Got to hold that line. So, um, is, is is it true that Kathleen Kennedy is uh, the reputation I hear about her? Super sweet, very reasonable, understanding, fun to be around. <laughs> is, is, why are you guys laughing? <laughs> she's got the language. I just of saw a, the photo yeah. that Rob got up there. She doesn't it, look like that person. She's so, got the language of a Mormon mother. Yeah, yeah. Does, a does, Mormon what, mother. <laughs> Uh, is that what your experience has been with her or how? Um, my experience with Kathleen Kennedy, and by the way, she has had a phenomenal um, history of work Sure, that I respect as a woman to woman. Um, you know, you'll see her name pop up on some of these movies and it's like, wow, that is quite incredible, actually. And so I, you know, I don't know her entire story. I don't know what made her. Um, have this wall of defense that she's had. Um, you know, she's 
you know, maybe she'll tell us all that story someday. But, um, yeah, it was, it was very uh, cold, but um, trying. So John Favreau, who is the complete opposite, is just this bear of a man who is just the most lovable person. Um, and he would, uh, you know, I get shyer. And so he, he would be, like, standing there between me and Kathleen Kennedy and, like, you know, like, you know, try to initiate the conversations. And it wasn't ever... Um, it wasn't ever bad on set. It wasn't ever anything like that. Um, I had no problems on set. It was a beautiful on set. Um, and, you know, if a woman's like that, it's fine. There's plenty of women that are like that. You don't have to be the executive of a company and be a nice person. Um, but it was the problems that came afterwards and that energy that happened. So what was that experience like? So on set, you worked on set with her and Favreau. She was very, there very rarely. Like Very rarely. I think I saw her maybe two or three times. And, and your interaction with her when you spoke, how many, if we were to say, this is how many minutes I've spoken to Kathleen Kennedy, what would you say the total time is? Um, I'd say like... 20 minutes. Okay. And the 20 minutes was, was it more like, Hey, how you doing? How are things? Or is it more like, don't do this. This has no, changed this. What, what was the 20 it minutes was like, like? It was like two, uh, magnets. <laughs> oh, really? And was it obvious? I mean, to me, it felt, but I'm, I'm sensitive to energy, you know? So like, I was like, you know, trying to be my n- normal self and, um, you know, she's, she, she does have walls up. And so it's like, okay, you know, I don't know why those walls are there, but it was just like that. And um, that's from, what it is. From the beginning, Gina, or was it after she started realizing, like, you were awake, not woke? You know what I mean? Like, or was it from the beginning? You just had that beginning. energy. Got it, was you. The, it was from the beginning. I, um, I remember uh, we went to the Star Wars celebration and we were all up on stage and we go through, uh, you know, everybody go through, you know, they get announced and they go through and they shake everybody else's hand. And Kathleen Kennedy, I think, was like towards the end. And she shook everybody else's hand. And I go to shake her hand. And she didn't shake my hand. Get out of here. And I was like, okay. All right, what is that? Accidentally, um, like she didn't see it or no, intentionally? she just looked at me. You think she's threatened? Maybe, maybe she's threatened by you. I have, I have no idea. I just realized, like, that's that energy. That's what that's like. Wow. Is this pre-March 5th when oh, she was like that? or That was the first introduction into... Um, Star Wars like that was my first I'm all excited and I'm like you know happy to be up on stage and and then I was like okay now let me ask so you nothing, when, when you has happened yet there hasn't been an interchange she just kind of a power move that's what she said yes yeah. 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 so yeah. when when you're when you're meeting her and and pre, like are people saying are people saying things like hey Gina few things you need to know when you work here that person is this this person is this that person is this. Like, you know how you go into a sports team, like Brett Farr used to play for the Green Bay Packers, and the quarterback uh, coach was, uh, uh, was it Mariucci, Tom? Uh, Mariucci was a QB coach, or uh, I think mm-hmm. it was Mariucci. Mariucci started QB coach yeah. in, the, in the whole West Coast systems. And the coach was, was it Sherman? Who was the coach? Uh, not Holm- Holmgren. Holmgren. Mike yeah. Holmgren. Mike Holmgren. Big and, guy. And Brett Farr the and, and Holmgren would always have issues. But Mariucci was like in between the buffers. Like, I got you. Don't worry. You and I will work together. And coach just wants you know, for you to perform better. Did anybody like kind of, you know, prepare you for what to expect with these strong media personalities? No, no. And I think that um, Star Wars being one of the biggest fan bases and also one of the most controversial kind of toxic 
fan bases. There's got two different sides, uh, which I have my theory on that. Um, you know, I feel like when you go into that kind of job, there needs to be immediate media training, immediate understanding of the environment, um, and uh, to really just kind of like prepare uh, people for that. Because, uh, but but you know, like I think th that will eventually get there. Um, it just wasn't there at that time. Got it. Okay. So Kathleen Kennedy, first experience isn't that good. John, John is, uh, uh, you know, I played poker with John one night. John Favreau, Vince Vaughn, and the guy from Christmas Story, redheaded guy who becomes a producer yeah, there, he's later. Boys Peter with something. Vince I don't know what his yeah, name he's is. Boys with, uh, oh, my God. John was funny. He is so wonderful. He is so amazingly... He's, he is uh, my favorite person in really? Hollywood to have ever worked. Why is wow. that? Why is that? He, he, he cares and he does, he, he's able to reach everybody in the room. He'll come before a scene and he'll just let everybody know exactly. He'll somehow make everybody in that room feel like they have a diamond that they're holding. Wow. Good for him. And he is just this beautiful, big hearted, um, man who, um, it just it has broken my heart to, um, have had gone through this and, you know, know that that has probably negative negatively affected him um, because he is just um, my favorite. Like he knew how to get into my mind. He knew how to direct me. Um, he knew. Sick. Yeah. And by the way, his birthday is October 19th. I'm October 18th. I remember there was one hand where Vince goes all in. Yeah. Okay. And it's like 2,500 bucks. Oh, wow. And at this point, we've been playing for five hours. This is when Vince was doing the movie with Jennifer Aniston. Was it Bre Breakup? Breakup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, I love that. And, <laughs> yeah. and so he's there with flip flops. I mean, they're just like regular three o'clock in the morning and he goes all in. Next is uh, uh, John. And John's like, look, guys, I'm not in this. I'm going to let you two Middle Easterns go out. I'm like, Middle Easterns? I didn't even know Vince Vaughn was Middle Eastern. Apparently he's Lebanese or Are something. Are you serious? Can oh. you go to Vince Vaughn? Is he Lebanese? Yeah, go, is, he's from Chicago, is, right? Well, he's from Chicago, oh, yeah. I mean, but Lebanese. I'm like, what Lebanese? I had to actually Real look life. in. Can you oh. see if his background is like Lebanese? Does it... He's Italian. Yeah, I'm Lebanese. Lebanese. There you wow, go. Wow, what a mix. So he says, yeah, he's Lebanese. I said, I'm going to let the Middle Easterns, you and... Uh, Iran and Lebanese go at it. Anyways, we... Wait, are you guys going off of Wikipedia here? Yeah. Oh, dang, dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. Don't, don't look at mine. I don't want to know. Okay. Well, <laughs> you, come to, you're, you're Lebanese too. But, you know, just letting you know. Well, you're just Lebanese today. <laughs> you're a Syrian Lebanese. Anyways, but the point is John was a freaking breath of fresh air to be around, right? Oh. Just a chill guy. Um, and it, by the way, it's important for people to realize, Adam pointed this out a couple of days ago, there's two John Favreaus on Twitter. Yes. There's a John Favreau that's an Obama speechwriter. <laughs> this is not the same yeah, John Favreau. John Favreau. Because that John Favreau is yes. super woke, yeah. loud. You're like, it almost confuses yeah. you a little bit. Please, yeah. please find the right John Favreau. And also, yeah. um, you know, John's, I don't think he's really on Twitter. I, yeah, think I, that, I, I think he watches from the background sometimes, but I think, you know, he's, he's, uh, I think his um, his whole thing is like you know he loves to just fly right below the radar, you know, so that he can do what he can do. And but I, you know, I, I believe the man is an emotional genius. I believe he's a, a genius in storytelling. I mean, I think there's something very special. That's about cool. That that's good. To, that's good to hear from uh, because that's the impression I get from him. Anyways, yeah. were, were there a lot of people in Hollywood who reached out to you who agreed with you but couldn't be vocal? And they said, look, you're right. We're with you. We agree with you. But we can't publicly 
agree because it's going to hurt our career. Did, did you get a lot of calls like that? Um, not initially. I got no calls initially. <laughs> um, but I got a lot of support and have gotten more support. I go to these fan expos and people will have me come up to their booths and they're like, we're so with you, sister. We're so with you. And I'm like... I know, I know, and they they think, you know, I think there's a lot more people in the middle, um, and a lot of these actors are just, you know, I know a lot of my co-stars, um, they hate what happened to me. Um, you know, Bill Burr was just as incredible and awesome, and um, he was like, if I, you know, he's like, she's a sweetheart, and if I say anything, you know, I'm going to get canceled. And so at the time, three years ago, it was a different environment, and it was hard for people to speak up. Um, but I, every single one of my co-stars, in, including Pedro and Carl, um, you know, uh, d- did not believe what happened to me was correct. Which which uh, tweet was it, or what did you say that got you fired? I think, I think the final straw was the... Um, the Holocaust tweet. Um, and when I, I I had posted it on my, you remember Twitter used to have like, or X used to have the fleet section, mm-hmm. which is like the Instagram version of the, the stories. Well, I'd put it up there and I put it in my, you know, and I was just kind of like, and um, I actually like the fleet. I don't know why they got rid of it. I like it was the fleet kind of, too. Yeah, I don't know why Bring they got back rid the fleet. Of. Yeah. Well, and we like the fleet. The fleet was great. So yeah. this is, yeah, this is the. Uh, Zoom in a little bit, Rob. Yeah. The infamous tweet. The infamous tweet. Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children, because history is edited. Rob, I don't want an ad, Rob. Gina, (laughs) because history is edited. They're watching us. Most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is this any different from hating someone for their political views? So if you just read that first part, yeah, that would be a messed up, you know, thing, right? Um, you know, but when you read the whole thing and my interpretation and what I would like to do is like I'd like to put thought pieces out. You know, I'd constantly put thought pieces out so that people would just get their mind working. And so um, my question was always like, and I think a lot of people thought this, like, you know, before 2020, I never understood how a population of people could uh, demonize a group of people and allow them to get, you know, taken from right next door um, and shipped off to a concentration camp and ashes are falling from the sky. And there's, you know, I just couldn't understand how that could happen. And I've always been so fascinated with the World War II movies. They're some of my favorite. Um, So in this tweet, I thought, you know, this is something where I feel like if we keep demonizing each other, if there's this like demonizing between neighbors, um, if you keep on doing that towards one another, we're going to end up in a bad place. And that was a simple, that's how my, 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 my mind simply just read it like that. And then I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't know that like you get canceled if you bring up the Holocaust in any way, <laughs> apparently. When was so, this tweet, by the way? Um, I think it was in September. September, September 21. 21. Or no, 2020. Yeah. September 2020. Yeah. And then how much longer after this were you fired? I was fired February 2021. So that's five months later. And there was a lot of torture (laughs) in that five months. What happened during that five months? Well, from the beep, bop, boop, which happened, I think, uh, in August, uh, it was just inflamed. It was inflamed, right? The whole, uh, my whole experience and... It was inflamed. I was going through this massive struggle session. And um, 
Yeah, so I just uh, finally, <laughs> finally they just stopped contacting me around, I think, after December, and I hadn't heard from them, and I was like, well, there's that. Does your agent, does your agent contact you? I'm like, hey, listen, they're not even, I mean, there, there has to be some type of communication, because you, you were even about to have, like, a spinoff of your own show, Yeah. right? Yeah, so I got a phone call from John Favreau, um, I think it was October or November, and they had told me, he had said, I was like, okay, what kind of conversation is this oh, going to be? And he was like, it's all positive, Gina. It's great. Everything's good. You're going to be great. Um, and I want you to know that your life's about to change because I have written the pilot of Rangers of the New Republic. And it was okayed by Disney. And you're oh, on your way. What a phone call. And it was like, oh. after all of the awful things that had been happening, I was, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is insane. This is wonderful. And I'm seeing, you know, everybody's being very emotional. All my male co-stars. All of like the, you know, everybody's allowed to like say their opinions online. So I, you know, I stuck to continuing my opinions. Um, but I don't think I ever said anything that was, um, you know, I think that was like the most intense that it got, which you could see something like that on, um, you know, the Holocaust uh, Twitter account, you know, like that's like hi history, you know. So um, so he he called me and told me that and I was like, you know, on cloud nine, like, okay, it's happening. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. And then, so that's good news. That was wonderful. News. October, yeah. November. But then what happened February? Um, uh, February was that tweet. Oh, you tweeted that September though, right? Oh, no, no. Okay. I'm so sorry. I think September's the pronoun, the beep, bop, boop. Got it. That's February. February yeah. That February, 2021 was that tweet. So how much longer after that did you, was it instant? It was the day, I think. It was the day. Like within hours. And is this when they made the announcement where, you know, even I think Bob Iger came out, uh, CG no comes something, Bob Iger comes out and defends the firing, the Mandalorian. We stand for our values. I think Bob said this. Was that Bob Iger or by Bob Shapek? It could be Shapek. Let me see. It says Bob. Disney, okay, this is Shapek because Iger's not back yet. Disney CEO defends Gina Carano's firing from the Mandal Mandalorian. We stand for values that are universal. Uh, Bob Shapek defends the firing, emphasizing the company's commitment to universal values such as respect, decency, integrity, and inclusion. Shapek stated, I don't uh, really see Disney as characterizing itself as left-leaning or right-leaning, <laughs> highlighting their focus on creating content reflective of the most world's diversity. He continued, yet instead, standing for values. Rob, can you pull up what percentage of the Disney executives give their money to the left <laughs> or the right? Because that's public information when they say left-leaning and right-leaning, Mr. Shapek, with all due respect. Yeah. Yet instead, uh, standing for values that are universal, value for respect, value for decency. Again, going back to the same thing, Carano's termination came after she likened modern-day Republican Holocaust victims in now-deleted Instagram posts, she wrote what we just read a, a minute ago. Which was never posted. It was always in a story, and it was among a bunch of other... It was never a deleted... A post. It was a fleet that kind of expires 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Got it. Despite similarities in social media activity with co-star Pedro Pascal, who shared a post complaining Trump voters to Nazis, Carano was the one let go. So, Shapek versus Kathleen Kennedy. How much of this firing do you think was Shapek? How much of this firing do you think was Kathleen Kennedy? By the way, is this it, Rob, in 2020, 2020? <clears throat> yes. Right there. So that's the percentage of money they gave to the left versus the right. So if we take <laughs> that, I think it's fair to say, Weird. Tom, 80% of the, okay, 7.64 yeah, million. What's the other one, Rob? It's not left-leaning. So it's let's fallen on the, the ground to the left. Give me the number, 7.6 million plus what? <clears throat> 
plus uh, 1.4? Yes, 1.42. So 7.4 million divided by 9, 82% of their money goes to the left. So you are left-leaning, Shapik, based on how you give your money. It's like somebody that, uh, you know, says, I don't discriminate between Starbucks and coffee bean, yet four out of the five coffee you buy, you buy at Starbucks. You prefer Starbucks coffee. There's nothing wrong with that. Just yeah. be public about it. So who had more power in you getting fired? Do you think it's Shapik or do you think... Shapik got so many calls from Kathleen Kennedy that day that she's the reason why you got fired. You know, I think that is something that we're going to find out through discovery. Because um, you're going through that right now. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we're, yeah, we have to get to the, the point where we get there right now. But, um, yeah, we're we're going to find out. My my question, I really can't wait to understand this one thing is, and. You could probably pull up what they said about me, the comment um, that they they said I was denigrating people off of cultural and religious beliefs and that it was abhorrent. Um, I want to know so badly uh, who okayed that. Hmm. That had to have been someone at the top that had to have been okayed um, because that was so damaging. And that quote right there was basically telling the rest of the industry, do not touch this person. She's off limits. Wow. Um, meanwhile, you have in, in Disney's plethora of actors, you had, you know, um, people be convicted of something, uh, you know, bad. And then they, they go on an apology tour that Disney on one of Disney's channels, you know, you've had, um, you know, Go back to that, Rob. Go back to that, Rob, because I, I want I want to make sure our audience sees this. I don't know if we put it up or not. Lucas from statement from uh, uh, her firing stated her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and uh, unacceptable. Carano seeking damages to be de- and this is February six, three weeks ago. We're talking about mm-hmm. no, they put that right out um, on I think February tenth was the date twenty twenty one. Yeah. When you got fired. Okay. Yeah. So so now you're suing Mandalorian because of the state. Uh, uh, but if you look through, if you look at that statement. Yeah. And then you go through everything that I've ever posted and you go back through, you know, I've had a Twitter account since 2009. I urge you to go through it. I'm sure they're combing through it right now. Comb through everything and see if that statement fits me. And it doesn't. A thousand percent it doesn't. So, so again, going back to Disney, Shapek, we stand by our values. The main one of the four is really the inclusion one because the other three you're doing it. It's not like you're not doing it, but the inclusion, okay, you're being to their definition of what they got as a left-leaning organization, Disney, based on 80% of their money going to Democrats, which, again, that's their position that they have. While that's happening and they fired you afterwards, how many job offers you got, what calls you got, what calls stopped coming in, how did it directly impact you financially, lifestyle-wise? How dramatic was that? I, I was, you know, I was getting, you know, screeners. I was getting invited to um, auditions. I was meeting some of, like, the better directors. I was going to the red carpets. I was, um, you know, people were sending me stuff. I was just, like, there, you know. It was just happening for me, and it was so exciting. And on that moment on February 10th, it just dropped. And the only phone call that came in, well, one, the phone call that came in was from Dana White, <laughs> which um, I've, known, I've known him for a long time. And he, or he texted me and he said, hey, Ben Shapiro is trying to get a hold of you. And I was in bed just bawling. <laughs> you know, I was just dev- devastated. And, um, and uh, yeah, Ben Shapiro is the call that came in. 
Ben Shapiro is the call that came. The in. only one. Yeah. By the way, do you want to know something crazy? Do you want to know something you played crazy? poker with Ben Shapiro? No, 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 not at all, not at all, not at all. But he did no, not no. put twenty five. Rob, in. can you do me? But a he is favor? Lebanese. Can you do me a favor and pull this up? Let me tell you what the craziest shit I just found. Can you do me a favor and pull this, Tom? You're gonna flip out with this, specifically the way you and I look at uh, business and finances. Pull up, pull up what I just sent you right now on the link. This is pretty wild. So uh, the firing happens February of 2021. Okay, do you want to know the craziest data that's going to freaking blow you away? It's so awesome. Let me tell you how awesome this is. Pull this up. Check this out. Do you know when Disney's valuation was the highest ever in the history of its company? Go lower. Go lower. Go to the highest point right there. Look at that. Go, go back a little bit. Go back a little bit. February 2021 is when Disney was worth wow. the most ever. Wow. $341 billion wow. compared to where they are today. Go to today's Disney's market cap. This is a little bit older. Go to Disney's market Okay, right there. $201 billion. Hmm. They lost $140 billion from the day they fired you. <laughs> Wow. I know that's not funny. Well, it kind of is. Is <laughs> that me? not the craziest thing? You know what the market said? The market said financially after their five, how many busts did they have, Rob, just in oh. 2023? Flops, five of them? Well, there, Yes, five that totaled around $100 million in losses. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. $100 billion, billion dollars yeah, in 100 losses. Billion. It was $900 million for, for flops, but the five is around a $1 billion. The, the most Disney was ever worth... Wow. was right before they fired you. So maybe it wasn't a good decision by Shapek. And when they did fire you, Iger had to come back, okay, because now they're trying to kind of figure out a way to make it work. Tom, do you mind kind of just real quick share a little bit on what's going on with Disney right now financially? I, I think it's very important now that we just shared this. What's the conditions of Disney right now financially with the reports that just came out? Well, over a five-year period, the, the stock is basically at zero. So if you bought Disney five years ago, you went on a little bit of a run, and you're actually down 5%. So you've lost 5% over five years. So that's, that's not too good. That's not 10 years. That's, a, that's like a near-term horizon. And this week, just the other day, they by, put By the way, you're saying five years, FYI. Four years from February 2020... If we go from February 2021 to today, three years, you know what the case is? What's 140 billion oh. on 340 billion? Let's kind of do that, okay? Oh, yeah. And if you so, jumped on the ride in the middle of it, it's been a bad experience. Well, let me do this. <laughs> By the way, in the last three years, Disney has lost 41%. So if you put a million dollars in, your million dollars today is 300, is a, uh, what would it be? $590,000 today, three years later. That's minus 41. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, to put it in trend. So a five-year investor is disappointed. A three-year investor has an ax in her at the front door. Yeah. That's yeah. the way it would go. So Disney's board of directors just puts out a letter. And every company, once a year, puts out a letter talking about people. Hey, we're going to reelect our board members. Standard stuff. The first line of the letter the board has been laser focused on strategy that will drive shareholder value. In other words, 
stock price. That's the first thing. Not nice to see you again. Wow, what a year it's been. Sometimes yeah. the opening of these letters is a little bit fluffy because yeah. there's a little bit of marketing in there. And it says, so we're going to restore our dividend uh, that we declared in July. We're raising the dividend by 50%. So if you own a share of stock, you get a couple bucks from Disney as a dividend to be a shareholder. They're increasing it by 50%. That's called a bribe. Uh, <laughs> Disney, Disney says, and we're also buying back $3 billion of shares off the market. Jeez. Why that? Because fewer shares on the market supply demand it means the price should go up a little bit but it's artificial it's not being driven by a hit movie or great success so we're going to do that and the next thing is and we promise you promise you we're reining in cost it's so that we can cut seven and a half billion dollars of costs by the end of 2024 is there anything in there about theme parks or movies or entertainment nope that that was all of the first two paragraphs you get to the back there's nothing about we're confident in our entertainment business. Future. Like so they're not selling the vision. No, at they're all. not selling. It's not bright at all. And then the last paragraph goes to war. <laughs> now, remember, there's a couple big investors, the Trion Group with Nelson Pels and the Blackwells, who are both saying, hey, we really think leadership is the issue because you're an entertainment company and we don't think you're very entertaining. <laughs> That's an accurate statement. So we'd like to nominate some of our people to be on the board, to be the overseers, to guide the ship. And so they said, please know the Disney board of directors does not endorse the Trian group, specifically Nelson Pels and Jay Rasulo, or the Blackwell nominees, and believes they are unqualified to serve on our board mm. and preserve value double creation. Dumb. Double dumb. Double dumb. <laughs> so dumb. That's, that's what they do. So they do that. And then they provide this little chart. There's a chart on the back. If you're listening on Spotify, you love can charts. see this. This is a chart. There are nine squares. Rob, on the chart. do you have this or no? Okay, keep there, going, Tom. There are nine squares on the chart, and all and all of them are financial related to move the stock price. Um, you know, cash dividend fifty percent, three billion stock buyback. The things they said in the letter. You get down to the bottom, and there's one box in the corner of the bottom. Uh, we expect expect to reach profitability in our streaming business Q four twenty four. And, um, and also, by the way, we're going to do a $60 billion 10-year investment in our theme parks and cruise ships. And um, we're going to put more decision-making authority with creative teams. That's all they say. But there's nothing in here that we're excited about that, the Tom? movies in the front. And they, they brag about Academy Award nominations, but there's nothing in it about box office, nothing in it. At the same moment, this is called funny, the same moment. On February 26th. So what do you get as a shareholder there, Pat? You sit there and read this and you go, well, what are you doing about the movies? You've had all these movie flops and losses. You're not talking about that in your shareholder letter. What the hell? Well, at the same movement moment, literally the same day, within an hour, they announce Sean Bailey, who has overseen live action movies of Disney, is stepping down. He will leave the company. We are reorganizing. We are. This is Wall Street Journal. You've got Sean Bailey stepping down. Wall Street Journal. And it was literally two hours after the shareholder. There it is. Disney head of live action movie to step. This is not a lightweight guy that's stepping down. No, wow. basically what they're doing is what they couldn't say in the shareholder letter is that they have a strategy and they've got traction and things are going with oh, movies. Shit. They can't say it. So instead, what do they do? They chop off somebody's head and they throw the bloody body into the street. Sorry to be graphic, <laughs> yeah. Gina. No, it happened to me too, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fighter, Tom. She could take it. I got thrown into the street. It's yeah. <laughs> Exterior day, bloody executive rolls in street. Yeah. <laughs> Fade a, in. Fade a, in. It's a simple, <laughs> it's a financial scene. Yeah. So, so he said Bailey would be succeeded by David Greenbaum and then they talk about 
out. He was at Searchlight Pictures, and we're also going to combine two positions and the new newly created role of combined studio group leader. So that's an hour later. And then the Wall Street Journal, who has had enough of this crap, comes out and writes an article on Jay Rusulo. You know, one of the guys. Is that, that the we, one, Tom? That one right there? Yep. Okay. Meet the former. You can show this to the audience. So <clears throat> it's, it's in there. Remember, this is one of the guys that they say are unqualified to sort of Disney's board. Jay Rasulo worked at Disney. He worked with Michael Eisner. He was part of Eisner's strategic planning team. He was a former CFO. He was a former CFO. Which means he knows all the numbers. That's exactly right. And he was brought by Eisner uh, from Burbank to lead Parks. He launched Parks over in France, learned to speak French in two years so he could speak fluently with the team, crushed the returns, over 2,000% returns. Go back to where you were at, Ron. On Disney Europe. And wait, what is that? Jay, Jay Rasulo recalls meeting with a high ranking Communist Party official on the trip to not to give up. Jay, keep knocking at the gate. Someday it will open. He was what? T- he, he, well, well, he also spent time going around the world for Disney to open okay. doors. And this, he apparently had a dinner with a Communist Party official said, hey, about being CEO of Disney, keep knocking at the gate. Someday it will open. Now, Eisner retires and. Iger comes in and Iger says, look, I like you as CFO. I don't like you as COO. And um, that's that's it. We're done here. Um, he said, be my CFO. And Rasulo came back a couple months later, a month later, actually, and said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. So he leaves and Rasulo, you know, they throw a quote out when, um, by the way, when Trian Group recruits him to be on the board, they throw out this uh, Disney spokesman. And later it was Iger was I didn't say that that is a position of the company. So a little bit of a a wimp there. In our view, Jay Rasulo's analog perspective is not relevant to the challenges of today's digital world. So they're trying to make him seem like old school unformed. No, no, no. It's not like he was making movies in the 60s. This guy is a CFO who knows where the bodies are buried and he knows how the math adds up. And so, Ooh, look at this guy. so Disney, why is that scary? Well, for Disney? He's, he's killed nine trees. Just letting you know. But go ahead, Tom. <laughs> so, why, why, why should Disney be worried today, Tom? Because if Trian Group and their proxy get on there, why would Disney inside Disney? First of all, it's worried? not just Nelson Peltz. There's two guys. Both of them are billion. One's, one guy's and worth Black four Pelt. billion. The other guy's worth one and a half billion. They got a lot of influence. They're sitting there saying, the hell are you doing with this company now? We're losing money. It's not doing the kind of numbers it was doing. You're, you're forgetting who your customers are. Parents that are wanting to take their kids to, to movies to watch a movie. Kids are not your customers. It's parents. Why are you pissing off parents who don't want to take the kids to movies? For us, Tom, when we go to movies, you know what's the first thing Tico does? I'll say, Tico, go look up what's the app, a Fandango. Go see what movies are out. Tico will say, Dad, it's probably going to be movies that we don't want to take. We don't want to take the kids to. Tico's twelve years old when he says something like this. Okay, he'll go. Now I'm being serious. You've been around Tico to I, know who he is. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So he'll say, No, we're not. No, we can't do this. And he'll go look at the score. No, there's another LG. There's a trans character here. There's a this character here. Even kids are starting to. I just want a regular flipping movie. Stop trying to brainwash me. This isn't working. So, at what point? At what point will Disney realize 
this shit's not working. They got to change. I think they know it right now. And I think they're scared to death that Blackwell or Treon is going to get somebody on the board. That's why they're trying to bribe shareholders. Those guys. Everything's okay. We're buying back $3 billion of shares. Yeah. We're going to give you a bigger dividend. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Stick with us. Stick with us. As soon as those guys are in there, that, that basically everybody behind the curtain knows it's not working. It's just people are not strong enough to stand up to Kathleen Kennedy and the creatives <laughs> that want to take a certain creative path. The minute these guys are on the board, all kinds of hell is going to break loose, and a lot of people are going to lose are going to lose out, and there's going to be massive question for both of you. Guys. And Iger goes from the ride of a lifetime to riding a turd. You know, it's basically <laughs> yeah. what he's got in terms so I got of a question performance for you. right now. I got you, Tom. So I got a question for you. So, and, and this is for you as well, since you're on the inside, you work with them. Who do you think has more influence in Disney? There's this uh, book that John Maxwell wrote. I think it's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. One of the things he talks about is the law of E.F. Hutton. That back in the days, E.F. Hutton was the guy. He'd be in the room, and a main guy is the main decision maker. But the main guy would always say, hey, E.F. Hutton, what do you think about it? Okay, good. Boom. Okay, got it. So, hey, so what do you think about it? So eventually people realize that's the influence. He's going to E.F. Hutton to see what E.F. has to say, but like for... For Buffett was Charlie Munger, right? For everybody, there's somebody they go and say, what do you think? And that person is a very influential person. Who has got more influence at Disney? Do you think it's Kathleen Kennedy or do you think it's Iger? Well, what I think in my perspective, what happened is I think that uh, these companies are so afraid of making maybe previous mistakes. And so... They try to hire younger, um, maybe people with le less life experience, and they want to uh, stay current and up to date and ahead of the times. And um, so then they start, you know, they've got the assistants and they've got they flood their companies with people who maybe have never even left the United States and never been somewhere and actually realize how wonderful we really do have it here. Um, and I think that the it's a, it's a game of telephone, really, that just starts crawling up the, the ladder. But then I also think, you know, this is Star Wars. This, these problems have been hap happening for a long time. You can't take that uh, responsible responsibility away from the leadership. And you can't take that, you know, on the Disney side and the Lucasfilm side. So I don't know how it all works. You know, is, is Kathleen Kennedy... Um, she's obviously needs to be held responsible, responsible of Lucasfilm because she's been the leader. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, I think they're, they're, they're both responsible. But, but who, ha who do you think has more, I'm, I'm looking at, if you pull up Kathleen Kennedy, the work she's done, by the way, I thought you were saying Kathleen Kennedy's young. I think you were talking about the assistant because. Yeah. Like the people yeah. that they hired, I think that they were like, and I think they were, they're just listening and they're, they're trying to, they're trying to be forward, but they didn't realize they were. Or maybe they did realize that, you know, or either way, it's it's either that way or it's the opposite way. Like they're hiring a bunch of people they can control. And which, it, which makes sense, by the way, just to give her credit on what she's worked on. Ready? This is Kathleen Kennedy. Wow. Thinks she's been the executive producer on Gremlins. Poltergeist. Back to the Future. The Goonies. Fandango. American Tale. Okay. Back to the Future 2. Dad. Uh, uh, Tummy Trouble. Uh, uh, I don't know what the hell that wow. is. Gremlins 2. An American Back to the Tale. Future 3. Yeah. yeah. An American Gremlins. Tale. Bunny Crazy. Pit. Cape Fear. Empire okay. of the Sun. Oh Schindler's God, yeah. List. She was the executive mm -hmm. producer on Schindler's yeah. List. Wow. So she, you know, Jurassic Park, Lost Words, Signs, terrible movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Must have been a sign. I watched it. When she I watched was discovered, it. Pat, 
it was a 24-month period. I went back and I read about her bio. In a 24-month period, she went from E.T. to Indiana Jones wow. to kick off her career as a frontline, top-line producer. She did Munich, Tom. She did The Color Purple. That was, that was later. But those 24 months when yeah. everybody in Hollywood said, who is this woman? It was E.T. and Indiana Jones in a 24-month period. Talk about box office. Talk about merchandising. Talk about, good grief, Indiana Jones is a permanent ride. You know, there's all these things that happen. And the rest of her career, she proved that that was no fluke. So she's a professional in the industry. Mm -hmm. But that, Does she have more influence than Bob Iger? That's what I want to know. Well, I think, I, I think she probably does now. And that was the point that South Park made in their parody and all the voices in Hollywood. I mean, Trey Parker has been slightly conservative for a while. And he came out with that South Park evidence, the, uh, the Pander Dome, right? And... All the whispers in Hollywood goes, yeah, that's the way it really is. And that's what I was noting. Not the fact that there was a parody, but all those voices were like, yeah, you know, that's kind of the way it works there. What did you think about when you saw with the South Park joining the Panderverse? Oh, well, I did have a tweet about it. A long one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was like, well, this is what's going to happen next. Um, this is what I went through, basically. Um yeah, I mean, it was kind of refreshing to know that people can see exactly what my experience was. Um, and they're sitting there making fun of it, which I think, you know, humor is positive. Um, it was nice. It was nice to, I felt a little vindicated. And, Gina, and just, just going off of what you said, uh, from everything that you've, you've gone through, from the BLM stuff, come to find out, you know, George Soros back. They went. It was a scam. They stole all this money. Ridiculous, right? The trans thing. We're seeing more and more that it's like more of a mental thing. These people are, you know, they have mental issues. A lot of them are doing mass shootings now. So now that's a whole different situation. And then the Disney. You're watching. You leave. They lose a hundred billion dollars because that whole thing. Does it kind of feel good inside? Like not not necessarily vindication, but it must feel good inside your heart of hearts that you stuck to your guns and you were right this entire time. Does that feel? It feels. Um, you know, I I feel like I've been in the desert for the last couple of years, and that hasn't felt good. But the the part that does feel good is the um, I, I am honest and I am clear and my heart is good and I was coming from a good place and that was very obvious and I think that you know so many people were watching what happened to me and they say this is an innocent person here that you're destroying you're you're going above and beyond to destroy this person um, and I think that's why my case has had such an impact because it was so obvious. It was yeah. just so in your face. So for the last couple of years, it's been uh, it's been a desert and it's been hard, but um, it's OK to go through the desert because um, then I got an email after I just realized, OK, maybe my life is going to be living in the desert now. Yeah. And I got an email um, from an attorney that said that they were representing X and that they'd like <sighs> to um, look through my case. And I was like, "What a great, what a great phone call from from getting a, yeah from John Favreau to now a lawyer from X going. I think we have something." <laughs> well, they didn't know what I had. Yeah. They, they said, "I want to look at what you have." Um, and there's just been such, you know, my life has been riddled with such incredible moments like that. I mean, uh, uh, incredible director Steven Soderbergh picked me up from fighting and gave me an awesome, awesome opportunity. Um, you know, John Favreau, incredible human being, um, amazing mentor and, and really started finding my stride in acting. Um, ben Shapiro helped me out and just 
he just took the sting off of it, right? <laughs> like, I, I didn't take the t- cancellation away. Um, we we tried to really, like, puff up and say, you know, it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to be fine. And it, it was a door open. But as far as me, I'm still very much in the desert. Um, and then here comes Elon Musk. And I'm just like, who does this happen to? Yeah. I'm just like, there's real men in the world that um, have opened doors for me that... Um, it's just made my life so for for him to do this and X to do this for me is it already has lifted this thousand pound, you know, beast off of my chest because whether I wanted it or not, I was carrying around the shame of being fired. Nobody wants to be fired. And so I was carrying around whether I was trying to like put on the brave face, I was carrying around the shame and um it was affecting my me, me physically, it's been affecting me mentally. And then um when I got that email i responded like within three hours and i'm like i don't care if i seem eager right now i said yes yes, yes. yes, i would love to speak with you and then i got on the phone with them and they told them what happened told my story they said could you you know send us some stuff i just sent them everything that i had and they ended up speaking with x and um elon and uh explaining the story and they really believe that we have an awesome. Oh, so by, by the way, you. I mean, this Good is when you. you're telling the story. You know, you know, you know, when you're asking a question, do you feel vindicated? Yeah. You know what's the thing? Hmm. You know, okay. So let's just say you get money. Fine, that's one thing. But you know what's annoying? What? It's like you have such momentum. You're peaking, and you take. You want to work. Like, the, what is the purpose of money without me creating something? Being part of something, it's so frustrating when you're at oh, your yeah. peak and you're not able to create, build. I'm you got stuff that's best. going on at your best. Like, I'm, that is so annoying. When I'm working, and it always puts my dad in tears. It's the only time I see him in tears. Is when I'm working, I am at my best because I'm consistent. And, I, you know, diet's consistent. Work is consistent. My health, my mental health. And that's also why I was speaking out about the lockdowns, too, because... You get a bus driver who's been, you know, driving a bus for 30 years and might have an addiction problem and you're going to shove him at home and stick him with like all this reality of at home. And then he's going to start drinking again. And now we've got alcoholism. Now we've got um, deaths everywhere. So as an artist, I know what it's like to not work. And it's 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 uh, we need to work as humans, you know, Um, and it's really hard to kind of create your own work, which is what I'm doing now, um, finally. But I mean, it was uh, it was devastating. That's the part that's for us. I want to read this because the story comes out February 6th this 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 year. Gina Carano sues Disney over Mandalorian firing and lawsuit funded by Elon Musk. This is the Hollywood Reporter. She she initiates you a lawsuit against Disney and Lucasfilms alleging discrimination and wrongful termination stating my words were consistently twisted to demonize and dehumanize me as an alt-right wing extremist. Carano contends she was fired for her cultural and religious beliefs, accusing Disney of ignoring offensive posts made by male co-stars and seeks a court order that would uh, force Lucasfilms to recast her role with at least a $75,000 in damages that's chump change to them. Elon Musk's ex-corp funds Carano's lawsuit, reflecting a broader debate on free speech and corporate influence as Carano's case underscores tensions over online expression with Musk's pledging to support users facing discrimination, saying, I'm honored that my case has been chosen to be supported by the company that has been one of the last glimmers of hope for free speech. And then a couple days later, uh, Forbes writes about this as well. Musk's rages against Disney's, Disney's DEI Gestapo and doubles down on the crusade. In a series of posts on X, he published that what he claimed is Disney's full set of DEI standards and guidelines on how to achieve them. Musk uh, Savage 
the guidelines, which he describes as laws, as racist, sexist, and discriminatory, and a likely reason why most of the media giants content from the past few years has sucked. The billionaire has uh, said the guidelines were laboriously vile and claimed merely navigating the DEI minefield will crush the creative process. It crushes the creative spirit of someone who just wants to make great art, which is what we just talked about. Musk said in a response to a post from the libs of TikTok, a popular and influential account known for its inflammatory posts and incendiary rhetoric against liberals, which often targets LGBTQ people. Now, keep in mind, this is Forbes. So Forbes has to play through the DI score. Without providing any evidence, Musk says the company's diversity program was enforced by Disney's DI Gestapo, referencing Nazis, Germany, feared secret police, infamous for deploying brutal tactics and torture to support resistance. It must feel good that you got the most, you know, powerful media, billionaire, wealthiest guy, modern day Iron Man backing you up. Well, it was the only way um, it was going to happen. And... You know, I had to move out of Hermosa Beach. I had to move out of L.A. I had paparazzi knowing where I lived. I had stalkers. I didn't live in a gated community. I was very much in danger where I was at. So I um, sold the house, bought an RV, traveled across 25 states, and thought I was going to end up in Nashville with the Daily Wire. Didn't love them, but just wasn't my, just not where I ended up. Um, and then I went up to Montana when we shot Terror on the Prairie, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the freedom. I, I felt like I could breathe. I could see the big sky. Big and, sky country. And I just felt like this is where I belong. <laughs> this is where I, I feel safe. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's great. So how far are you guys right now with the lawsuit? Um, well, <laughs> I'm not very good at the lawyer stuff, but I believe they have a certain amount of time. Um to respond. They be in Disney. Yeah. They so, have a certain amount of time to respond to the case. And, um, you know, that could be a number of different ways, I guess. Oh, it's something at that magnitude too. Cause you nailed it. Like your career, you're on a rocket ship. They're going to have to take an account of everything that you have missed, especially with your trajectory. So, I mean, like Don, Le- Don Lamont just got 25 million from CNN for like a three-year contract. This is going to be something to where that farm that you have, you're going to buy llamas. You're going to have, <laughs> you're going to have so many animals on this farm. Gina, it's going to be great. Well, I, you know, I haven't actually even thought, and this is to be very frank. I haven't thought about that because I, I feel like right now I'm playing, um, an important part and that, you know, this, I do believe that's what happened happening to me right now is like a God given, uh, gift. And I, right. Um, so whatever happens, um, I feel that there's a purpose in this, whether it's to let people know, know that they're not alone because so many people felt alone during those last four years. I love that you said that too, cause you were in the, you were in the desert. Like yeah. God put you yeah. in that desert and you're getting to the water, which I think is freaking, it's so, I'm so happy for you. And, and you know, sometimes justice doesn't happen the way we want it to. We think, okay, justice, you know, and when I was in the desert, I was like, <laughs> Oh man, where's I see other people getting justice. Where, you know, am I going to get justice? And then finally, when I just kind of gave it over and I was like, okay, God, you know, it's yours. And then <laughs> about like a week later, that's when the um, X email came in. So and I was like, okay, well, then I'm not going to think about what's going to happen, um, how people are going to react. I think that um, I would love. <laughs> You know, I would love, I want people to be happy. I want people to come together. I want them to see each other as human. Um, Like we are actually, 
when we are together, you know, um, on the internet, everybody's a tough guy. Yeah, of course. But when you get with people and you're sitting in a, you know, middle seat of an airplane, you know, you're, you could have all sorts of different views and all sorts of different cultures and you're, you know, not how you would be on the internet. So that's where I'd want us to get somehow. Yeah. As your case unfolds, um, what's very interesting, I've been trying to read little bits and you can't really find a, a full legal analyst breakdown, except there are comments that are out there, Pat, that point out that when press releases are made by companies for their quarterly reports and announcements, those usually come through a group called investor relations and lawyers are looking at every word of the press release because you can get sued for putting out incorrect financial information or speculating that moves the stock market. The PR group is usually the ones that, and by the way, investor relation also handles Pat statements made by the CEO because the CEO's voice can move the stock. On the other hand, marketing and PR have usually been, if you read about it, the thorn in the side of investor relations because they put a press release out too quick or too impulsively and it comes through marketing uh, uh, corporate communications and PR and you have investor relation people and lawyers that usually run screaming down the hall. What did you just put out? <laughs> and in this case, Pat, when you look at those words that we're saying, they came through marketing and corporate PR. When we read that, what Disney said there, and that is going to come home to roost because Disney is probably fearing two things right now. One they fear discovery because every text message, every email internally that talked about this is going to come out in public in this case, number one. Number two, to avoid that, Pat, Disney has to openly file with the judge and say, we'd like all corporate communications to be sealed. Well, the minute Disney does that, it only takes one or two conservative news outlets say, gee, why would you want all the stuff sealed that's coming out in court? Why would that be? If they, they don't want that. That's right. Of course they, they don't, don't want it, that. If yeah. they settle, it's an admission of guilt with a check. That's right. If they don't settle, it's public embarrassment with all these emails and stuff that are coming out at a time when DEI is getting serious pushback. Yeah. I find it. It's no win for Disney right now. I really, really am happy that this happened because I want professionals to look at this. I want professionals in the Lucasfilm and Disney, and I want them to come through it, and I want them to come through their own emails and the emails that I was sending, and I want them to take a good, hard look internally at what happened here. Like, I'm not afraid of that. I want that to happen so that um, thing can, things can get better for the people, the employees in the company and every division. And, um, like, I, 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 I'm happy that... It, they're like, I'm happy those lawyers. I mean, can you imagine these lawyers are like, oh my gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> Beep, bop, boop. <laughs> this, is what, funny. this is what you took away a 20 year career for is uh, this right here. And it's like, you can imagine these lawyers are like, oh my gosh, like who? Oh, uh, if it goes to trial, do you know how funny that'd be if you just see that beep, bop, boop? And it's like <laughs> that right there. Yeah. And you guys destroyed her. Yes. Pay up. That's yeah. so funny. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, if it gets this. there, like those like, three words. I'm really not that controversial, yeah. you know. I just, um, I was speaking out at a time that um, people were afraid to speak. Wow. Who, who fears Kathleen Kennedy? Hmm. Who fears Kathleen Kennedy? I mean, producers I, that want to be greenlit. I think anybody who, hmm. I, I, th I, th I don't think it's just Kathleen Kennedy, I think it's the Disney and Lucasfilm name. So once you have Lucasfilm or Disney, um, that name on your team, uh, 
on your on, on your new resume, then your your whole world opens up. So I think it was Scarlett Johansson that said once that, you know, I do these bigger films so that I can do my passionate, you know, independent, you know, projects. Which actually Scarlett Johansson had a um, lawsuit and a settlement with Disney as well Weird. for uh, mistreatment um, or breach of contract, which was different. But, Being um, deceived on release dates and streaming rights—it's like factual things yeah. that they yeah. did that she was dead right. They, and I think Emma Stone actually had something that she was uh, um, upset about as well. And so this is there's a history of this happening um, of mistreatment. Um, so I think, you know, why wouldn't, I, I don't, I don't know what these meetings go like in Disney, but why wouldn't somebody just sit down and at least look at my case and be like, look, look at the stock, look what it happened, look at the date, um, look at the effect that it's had on people. Let's make the situation right. You know, they're, they're so good at trying to tell me how to apologize exactly the words to say. I didn't use the right words. I wasn't apologetic enough. How does this company, who obviously saw a smear campaign happening to me and did not step in, how do they not know and how can they not show everyone, we're going to do what's right, at least in this case. We're going to do what's right. We're going to make it right. Um, has that conversation even been brought up of how they can do that? Like, I'm not, <laughs> I, I wish I could be a... You know, a mouse in that that room of like how no has, have they even have they yeah. thought of it? <laughs> same thing. Yeah, <laughs> same thing. You know, like with the with Johnny Depp, right? It's just Amber Heard yeah. does her thing. Everybody, they let him go. It's everybody jumps up. They love to eat their own and make it make an example without taking two things, taking a second and finding out, hearing everybody's story, but just destroying people just like that, destroying their lives. Because as much as people want to say he's vindicated and everything, but people, the other side still looks at him and goes, you. You abusive beating. Yes. They still, even though he won, yeah. they still are going to see you like that. Like you're gonna, you're gonna have that for the rest of your life. Yes, you're gonna have people go up to you and be like, "You hate black people. You hate Jewish people." And they don't give, a, they don't care about the truth side of it. They just see you, and 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 that's it. Oh, and that was one of the most painful parts. Is I'd always go in Hermosa Beach to the Smiths. I think it was there, mm -hmm. and I'd always go to. Um, I forget his name now, but this black man and I'd, um, we'd always talk about ribs and we'd always kind of like compare because I always want to find out how to, you know, cook Love the best ribs. Yeah. And we had the best relationship. Um, and then when I was canceled, I it's the first time I was OK with wearing a mask. It was like I felt like, how am I going to go in here? And he's going to see all these headlines and I don't know how to tell him this isn't true. I don't know how to tell him. And it hurt me so bad. And he did. He came up to me. He's like, Gina what are they saying here? Like, did, and he was so confused. And I was like in tears in the grocery store, just like, I don't know how to tell you all of this is lies. And I'm so sorry, you know, um, and it killed me. And the thing is these big companies and Disney knows you'll cancel someone, you'll put them in the desert and you know, they'll suffer and people will forget about it and their company will go up and down. But that person's career, once you've done something and made that kind of statement about them will suffer forever yeah. and um you know johnny depp is a powerful enough person that he's able to you know make a comeback yeah. you know i was at the tip of my breaking point and um it is due to the people um keeping my case relevant it is due to um god uh, blessing me with the opportunity to keep it relevant and um and incredible people and men that um and women that are are supporting me all around the the world 
When you when you think about Lucasfilm, that's very important that you share that because at the end of the day, when you are going through times like this, you you, you it's one source you can always rely on, which is God. You, you know, yep, everybody amen. at this table is at the on the same page with you, Tom. With Lucasfilms and and, and Gina. Who runs it now? Does George Lucas still have any influence, or is it all Kathleen Kennedy? It's Kathleen Kennedy and also this uh, gentleman that they've just named who's going to be ahead Dave of the— Filoni. Huh? Dave Filoni. Uh, the, in the reorg that left uh, Mr. Bailey laying in the street, it's, it's, there's the Greenfield and Green Bomb, and those are the two guys that now control both sides of the movies according to the reorg. So according to the reorg, those are the guys that are now uh, in charge of it, and it's a combined, combined position. You, you made a very interesting and good point. I'll go back to real quick. You say, who, and to Pat's question, who's afraid? The answer is everyone in Hollywood is afraid because they want the Disney Lucas thing on their resume. Yeah. And what you yeah. said is if you... Scarlett Johansson said, I want to do the bigs and stay big enough so that I can do my passion project. Yeah. And if Ben Affleck didn't have a career as Ben Affleck, the world never gets Argo, mm-hmm. which exactly. won Academy Awards. Yeah, exactly. And it took him. And um, was he Matt Damon was also a producer on that. I'm not sure. I, but well. they were they've been buddies mm-hmm. and they worked apparently for almost 10 years to get that thing greenlit. So, Pat, everybody wants the bigs and they want the big resume, just like executives want the big logos on LinkedIn. So that they can later in life go do all the things well, that they let, want. Let me read to you what Natalie Portman said, which I like. Natalie Portman on the decline of film amid the age of social media and influencers. This is from The Hollywood Reporter. This is uh, five days ago. Natalie Portman reflects on a change in the landscape of Hollywood, noting a decline in the prominence of film as a primary form of entertainment, particularly among younger generation. The striking thing has been the decline of film. If you ask someone my kid's age, about movie stars, they don't know anyone compared to YouTube stars or whatever. Portman acknowledges the dual nature of this industry's shift. There is a liberation to it. Powerful that she's saying this because she's part of the establishment. Yep. You can really explore, explore what's interesting to you. It becomes much more about passion than about commerce. Mm-hmm. Portman recognizes the democratization of creativity facilitated by social media. There's also, this is her, there's also been democratization of creativity where gatekeepers, hence these names we're talking about, have been demoted and everyone can make things. It's pretty wild that you also feel like at the same time, more people than ever might see your weird art film because of this extraordinary access. So how social media and content creators the Mr. Beast of the world are people sitting, the next generation is going to be like, I don't give a shit about kind of movies you're making because they're shitty anyways. Why am I sitting here watching your stuff? I'm going a complete different direction. Are these guys long-term sitting there worried about what average day-to-day content creators are going to do to them? Just like what the podcasters of the world, a Joe Rogan getting 11 million views per podcast where these guys on national TV, they're being saved simply by seniors who watch the news, sports, and big pharma. Do you see that happening with YouTube stars and Hollywood? I think it's already happening. And to use to you to coin a phrase, you know, we've seen it in industry before. In the in the late nineteen seventies, the US automakers were dinosaurs and they didn't know it. 
and the and Japanese brought quality, efficiency, low-cost cars, and more importantly, you know, fuel efficiency, right? And they didn't even know they were dinosaurs, and they had to retool everything, and they almost died. Chrysler did die and was brought back from the dead by the federal government. I think these guys, similarly, there is a meteor that is already passing by the moon, <laughs> coming toward Earth where all the dinosaurs die, you know, if you believe the theory that the meteor hits Earth and all the dinosaurs yep. died. Um, I think it's happening. I think, like, if you see what I mean, the meteors passing the moon and these folks, I think, know it. They're losing control. They've lost distribution. They're desperately trying to keep theater chains in business. COVID came at exactly the wrong time because theater chains almost died. And so that's distribution. It's a streaming world. And once it becomes an all streaming world and you don't have the theater experience, guess what? Anything can go there and Netflix and everybody else. We'll put you on the library, and if social media can get you popular and people start clicking on it and then tell their friends, guess what? The old gatekeeper, I make the movie, I will tell United Arts Cinemas what my launch window be. I'm the 4th of July window, everybody else out of the way. That was the way those deals went, Pat. Well, and I've that's, read, correct? That's, that's what's happening. I One of the first emails that I, I mean, I remember being really irritating me was... Um, Oh, by the way, uh, they're asking if you would unfollow these couple accounts. Um, and they were YouTubers who had been very critical of uh, the new Star Wars movies and some Disney. Who's um, they? Uh, PR people? The PR people, you know, were saying that these people didn't have nice things to say about Kathleen Kennedy yeah. and that they would like me to unfollow these accounts because I was very engaged in interacting with these people. I was new to Star Wars, so I was excited about like, you know, I wanted to learn as much as possible. So who else to learn from the fans that have been you know, following it all of these years? Um, was this your PR or agent PR on the outside or is this corporate PR on the inside? That was corporate. That yeah. makes sense. So it's not really it's not really the PR firm. It's really Kathleen Kennedy telling, telling corporate me, PR to tell you. You know, you know, they're telling me unfollow these accounts. And so, of course, you know, like you don't want to rock the boat. I don't like to, you know. So I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then I didn't. And I kept on following these people. And it just made me look, when you tell somebody not to do something, yeah. they're like, wait, what? And so you keep on looking, you keep on looking, and you just think, um, I should be able to follow who I want to follow on my own social media account. Um, and these heads of companies, uh, the, the biggest companies in the world, should understand that, you know, it's, it's almost like they went in and they just threw away... Um, to some of these fans, they just bombed their, you know, dreams and their, you know, um, their Star Wars. And so they're upset about it. And then to go and tell the actors and the producers and the directors and people, hey, these people are racist. These people are this and smear these YouTubers who they're human beings. They're not going to be perfect, but they're genuine critics, whereas Rotten Tomatoes is getting paid off by studios. And that's been proven. So we're actually excited about the YouTubers, you know, genuine thoughts and feelings on stuff. And, and I love watching them grow into more professional, well-spoken, um, seeing all sides of the, you know, the, the coin here, but, um, that didn't sit well with me. So I didn't, I didn't unfollow these accounts. Good. And I think that, um, you know, that was probably, well, why didn't she unfollow them? Well, because I, I've been criticized. They criticized me, I think at some point. And instead of, Instead of shunning them, I engaged with them. I joked with them, you know, like I feel like these are not cruel people. They just have felt betrayed by the things that they absolutely give their entire like you walk into a Star Wars fan's house and they have 
rooms, rooms of just memorabilia. I mean, line. Yeah, it's yeah. very weird. I spent thousands of dollars to yeah. support this thing, and then that happens. And Gina, just from you saying that, how crazy is that 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 Disney has people literally monitor not what you're posting. Who you're following? That's a job of somebody to go and be up. Oh, no, and that that's it's pretty pretty weird, don't you Mafioso, think? Mafioso, right? Yeah, it yeah, is. It's, it's 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 aggressive, and I think uh, you know these people aren't difficult. You know, have them to set, <laughs> have them come to a set, have them see the inside. Um, you know, educate people. You know, I think that education is wonderful, and um, interaction is a beautiful thing. So that's. The, the direction I took and just by simply engaging with these people, they were like, oh, you know, cool. We might not believe in everything that she believes in, but she's cool. She's solid. All right. Let's, you know, move on. So I just um, I think YouTubers, I think, uh, you know, it's the, it's completely shifted. I think we're it's getting exposed like the Rotten Tomatoes. Did you hear about that story? The studios were, were paying them for, for the reviews that they want. For like five weird, years. Yeah, weird. And then we will go watch the movie and we're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. They lied to us. You know you what I mean? You see the audience score now. You yeah, see the yeah, yeah, score. exactly. It's like, what? It doesn't make any sense. I never we're, trust their score. Or never. now we're forcing people well, to even the audience score. Yeah, exactly. What is this? So there has been happening for years. A PR firm named Bunker 15 is said to have paid as much as $50 for a single Rotten Tomato review. The payments, which aren't typically disclosed, are usually given to obscure critics who happened to be part of a pool tracked by... Can you click on that and go a little bit deeper into the story? I've never trusted their reviews, ever. Uh, Zoom... Okay, I can't even read <laughs> that. That's that. so tiny. I can't read that. <laughs> so uh, uh, you don't worry about it. See if there's another story like there's says a little bit more about it. There's Vulture. Vulture. still has a gap. So anyways... It's, and there's it's, another thing that's happening. Sorry not to interrupt you. There's another thing that's happening is I believe that, um, you know... These and I actually, from experience, because I thought, okay, this was going to be a massive blowout with this announcement, and so we we're interviewing interviewing publicists. Right? Um, there's a thing called crisis publicist that uh, it was the funniest. It was the funniest meeting because I was like, I I'm ready for this <laughs> shit storm. Right? I'm just yeah. ready for it. And this really brilliant, um, smart woman got on the phone and she's like, Yes, you definitely need this. When this breaks, it's going to be like this. And what we can do is we can manipulate. Google and we can manipulate all of the stuff and I and I was like oh I was like oh so you guys are doing that oh yeah yeah (laughs) weird wait this is kind of feeling weird you know and she's like oh yeah and we do all of the sorts of really cool tricks that we have and then (laughs) and I was like oh okay well what I you know because I've had a bad history with publicists now (laughs) and I was like what is your um, environment of your business is it like um, politically are they okay with freedom of speech and thought and and she said well I won't lie to you we're mostly 80 percent democrat out of New York and I was like oh okay okay (laughs) and then (laughs) she said the funniest thing and I shit you not I laughed for crying laughing for a minute straight on the phone with her and I was like okay so who are your your clients and she said we got anybody from george soros oh no (laughs) to this other whoever no i didn't know the other name and i cried laughing and i was like just like i can't (laughs) know what to do it's just like anthony weiner you're like really george soros (laughs) by by the way i was like that's the name that's i know that's who you pick yeah (laughs) like that's i I can't you know i just i uh, i had a call if you remember we had a call with this one uh girl and she, she's saying, I said, so listen, I've hired a different PR firms before. 
but this is what we stand for. We love capitalism. We're this, we're this, we're that. I said, what are your... I said, well, I have to tell you, we're probably not a fit for you. I said, that's great to know up front because I don't want to pay you 20 grand a month. And then you realize afterwards, we represent Leo. We represent this. We represent George Clooney. At least she was open about it. Yeah. The oh, fact that that's who we are. I like her. Yeah, I love that. I really liked yeah. her a lot. I, re- I really liked her a lot. It was just the fact that... Um, yeah, I know that 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 the George Soros name was just like, nope, <laughs> like because basically, in my opinion, and it's just an opinion, you know, if you've got a client like like George Soros, he basically owns you. There's no question about 100%. it. So, I mean, if, you know, maybe there's a different company or a different person that they would have said, I was like, you literally said the name that, you know you're you're not running your own company you're responding to anything that he wants because exactly. if he could be, becomes upset then you know yeah you're and out. then she was like by the way can you send me the um complaint and i was like and no no yeah not good. absolutely not. no need she for was, that but you know i have to say and i you know when she watches this that you know you're a hustler i appreciate your hustle and i appreciate uh you know you you were uh, a strong, intelligent woman. Transitioning into a couple that. other stories, by the way. Uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, the, the, the names you've worked with. How was it working with Ryan Reynolds? How is it working with some of these other guys uh, you, that you've worked oh, with in the past? I, Ryan Reynolds is just brilliant. He's a you know comedic genius. He can rattle off jokes that will have the entire, you know, all of the crew just like busting up in tears and like you see like the camera shaking and they have to like redo it because he is just so brilliant. And who's even more brilliant than him, sorry Ryan, but is his wife. Um, She's uh, amazing. I love her. Leigh yeah. is, um, I, she sat down next to me at our cast dinner. She was so kind and she just had a baby and the baby was up in the room and she, um, it was really funny because, you know, she had dinner and then she went back up and, and, and Ryan said, this is what my wife sends me. And so he was flipping through and it was like, baby picture, baby picture, baby picture. And then it was like cow balls. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so I love that. So she's just brilliant. She's um, an absolute um, fashion icon. I absolutely adore her. She texted me. Well, I was um, in Vancouver shooting, and she said, if you want me to show you around, just a complete kind How long soul. ago was that? Um, what well, one was Deadpool? That was a while ago. Um, that was a while ago. <laughs> I mean, and I haven't heard from them since, but, uh, but, but beautiful, beautiful memories. I, I love his work, and I have to, you know... Uh, uh, Romance, what do you call it? Romance, uh, romance movies? What, what's the name for it? There's a name uh, for it. Rom-com. Rom-com or whatever no, they call it. I just hate Rom-com. saying that. Rom-com. Rom-com is comedy, right? Is that romance comedy? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. No, no. I'm talking about like a notebook. What do you call that? That's called the what? Oh, uh, that's drama. Is that drama? Yeah. Okay. Impressive. I have watched her, Blake Lively, in Age of Adeline, starting the 41-minute uh, mark, where they pick up the sister, and he makes a comment saying, don't worry, my sister doesn't use a cell phone. She just graduated from UC Berkeley, where they make that joke. And you ever seen this movie, Age of Adeline? I'm going to be dead. No. And I'm sure. Vinny, from dope? 41 yeah. minute mark, your body's going to have the chills. Mm. Right. What a freaking sick movie. And she crushes it in this movie. So you don't know what the movie's about. I'm going to. I'm have you seen the movie? I have seen it, but it was one of those... Uh, I wasn't paying too much attention to it, but oh my god! But you know, I I followed her career and I look up to her as an actress, and um, she is one of our classic beauties. She's a beast. Um, was, she, was she in the town? Was she Ben Affleck's yes. girlfriend? The George yes, War? and she was oh, wh- phenomenal. Wow! Yeah. I, just I just realized that she's she, a monster. By the way, she's, she's probably sick. one of the top. You know, one of the best right now. 
at it. I don't know how much she's uh, she's how much work she's doing right now. And her well, husband Ryan Reynolds is. I think it's hard. What I think it's hard when when you marry an actor, um, a famous male actor. I think it's hard for the female actors. Um, you know, I think it's hard for them to. I mean, I dated a famous actor once, and um, you know, people treat you like, oh yeah, you're just the. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just the flavor of the month. And yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm this. I didn't know I was going to get that energy. How was he, by the way? You're talking about Henry Cavill, right? Yeah. Was he pretty? Oh, he's beautiful. Yeah, he's wonderful. Personality. Um, he gives me the vibes that just a very cool cat. He's a professional. Um, he's uh, he's just uh, passionate, I'd say. Um, so what was happening with him? And I don't know the details because, you know, uh, it's been a while since I've spoken to him, but um, very nice terms. Um, you know, I think he's just so passionate. Like, you know, on Batman versus Superman, you've got um, <laughs> you've got well, Zack Snyder, who is amazing. I met him in person. He's a super Batman fan, right? Well, you, you've got uh, Ben Affleck's got the writer, and so Henry's over here. <laughs> like, well, we got to get some. You know, we want to make sure that we don't forget about Superman. And so, you know, he he was such a wonderful Superman. Yeah. Um, and he loved that more than anything. Did you guys date when he was Superman? Um, I didn't know he was Superman. It hadn't come out yet. Okay. So actually, it was really funny. I didn't know who he, I thought he was an acting coach when um, we started dating. And Get like, out of here. Well, because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it's, it was like, I, and then I was like, oh, you're an actor. And then I, you know, he wasn't Superman at that time. Yeah, it wasn't so, big yet. I mean, Henry's been Henry for a minute, no? Yeah, I, I, yeah, but he was How'd you guys meet? Well, I walked into a sushi restaurant and Dwayne Johnson's uh, stunt or um, security, who um, is a lovely person, Ben Blankenship. He, um, and I had just been on the phone with my agent, and I was like, I need an acting coach. You know, this is my second movie, and I need help, you know. And so I walked in, and I, I'm really always friends with the stunt. So I was with the stunt team, and Henry was in there um, with uh, Dwayne Johnson's uh, Ben Blankenship. And um, <laughs> just by chance, Ben Blankenship was like, I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And, you know, you meet a lot of people. And... Um, he was like, well, he's an acting coach with Out of the Blue. He as a joke, he, though. As a joke. But and you believed it. Because I didn't know who he was. Get out of yeah. here. What year is this? Um, whenever Fast and the Furious. That, well, uh, can you give me a rough estimate what that year would be? Like, uh, There's been so much. <laughs> there's been so many what years. What year is life. this? I want to know. So Fast and Furious 6, is, is it 2012, 2013 type of thing? Um, yeah, around okay. whenever we were filming that. So Superman's not out yet. Mm-hmm. And he asks you out. Was it like a just a... Well, it was funny because it was like I, apparently he had a date the next night and I was going out with Ben Blankenship, who I adored. and um, Not as a date, just no, as friends. No, friends, yeah. Okay. Like we're out in London, you Got know. It. Yeah. And then Henry showed up, you know, and so apparently he ditched his other date. <laughs> and then you guys went on a date next day. Yeah. And from the moment, um, from that moment on for, you know, about, you know, we were dated for around three years. Um, we broke up halfway through and they got back together. So this is a real relationship. Yeah. And I was treated That's cool. by, by people in the industry. Like I was this like floozy and I'm wow. like, mm. um, back to what we were saying. I'm sorry, Henry. I didn't mean to go off on that. <laughs> but it's funny though, how typical fashion of Superman to hide his identity. Like you don't even know who he is. He's like, no, um, you, but that speaks a lot to his character. Big time. Because you see like Jessica Biel, right? I would love to see Jessica Biel do more. I'd love to see, um, 
more Blake Lively uh, films, you know, and I think that sometimes when you're dating and or married to, you know, a powerful actor in uh, Hollywood, you know. Did, did you and Henry ever get close, like serious, serious, like relationship, marriage type of conversation or no? Um, we were very serious. Okay. And it was very much genuine. Um, it wasn't, uh, it was just, um, I would say it was just a lot of youngness in me and him growing up. And I grew up in the fight industry. He grew up in Hollywood. And I think that you have to learn, you know, you have to learn about life and responsibility and treating people correctly. That's cool. um, so, and, and staying on this uh, with with Henry, Henry one time said that um, he was being asked about the Me Too movement. I don't know if you remember what he said. Yeah. He says this whole this whole Me Too movement is is preventing men from courtship like what about me courting a girl is that now offensive and the way he explained it i don't know if you can find this or not the way he explained it was so innocent where yeah. men could relate to like yeah, yeah bro like what what there's a risk to court there's henry Kirby scared to flirt with women because he'll be called a rapist or something and I that's mean, and that's what they write up right up that's what the journalists that pick out yeah when really he was being honest and it was something that all of these people can relate to it's uh all of these men can relate to it's like they're afraid at this point and that me too movement to be forward and to be gentlemen and and henry is a gentleman so uh it's it it's coming he came from an innocent place and got completely smeared and then and now I, I i see him be very quiet about stuff and it's like uh he's very sensitive and blame so, him you know it was, i like to think that i've never been like that Kavil remark before adding that it's only natural to question yourself we're putting past under microscope, I think any human being alive today, if someone casts too harsh a light on anything, you could be like, well, okay, yeah, when you say it like that, maybe something has to change. Absolutely. He also spoke about how it's important to retain the good things, which were a quality of the past, like chasing after woman. Yeah, that's what I remember him saying in the interview. And keep going, Lord, to see if he continues. There's something wonderful about a man chasing a woman. I agree. There's a traditional approach to that, which is nice. I think a woman should be wooed and chased. Yeah. But maybe I'm old-fashioned for thinking like that. It's very difficult to do that if there are certain rules in place because then it's like, well, I don't want to go up and talk to her because I'm going to be called a rapist or something. <laughs> so you're like, forget it. I'm going to call an ex-girlfriend instead. And wow, interesting. And just go back to a relationship which never really worked, although he admitted putting himself in that situation wasn't ideal. It's way safer than casting myself into the fires of hell. I'm someone in the public eye, and if I go and flirt with someone, then who knows what's going to happen. Now, now you really can't pursue someone further than, no, it's like, okay, uh, cool. But then there's, oh, why'd you give up? Oh, it's like, well, because I didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, was he was he a, was he MMA guy? Like, would he grapple? Did you guys grapple at all, or was, or was that not part of the relationship? Um, I know you've joked and you've said you've yeah, compared no, grappling to sex and all that cool. stuff. When oh, I don't yeah. know when you In talked my, about that ten twelve younger, years ago, yes, long time ago, yeah, yeah. But but uh, what, was uh, was he an MMA guy? Was no, he, a, he didn't do jujitsu until okay. after. Um, and yes, of course, it's an awkward we, question. But no, I'm, it's yeah. not. Um, I you know we definitely grappled. We're both in stunts. You know, we both do our own stunts. He does his own stunts, and so of course we've grappled. Um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Oh. If if you're a lady grappling with anybody, Henry Cavill is a pretty good guy to grapple with. And I'm sure Gina yourself, being beautiful, it's it's a it's a. Well, it's all funny games until they start sweating too hard and they realize it's a little bit dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and by by the way, staying on this point with uh, uh, the UFC side, Tom, did you want to say something about Henry or? No, no, no. I, j I was just going to compliment him. I, you have I a think, you have no, a crush because, on him and you don't you? No, no. But you <laughs> know, I want to grapple with Superman too. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not really, um, I'm, I'm not, I don't really follow actors and like, you know, I like this actor, that actor, like, you know, I have those that I like and those I appreciate. The you were a big Kevin Spacey guy, no? Oh, like from I, American Pie. And, uh, 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 yeah, I had a lot of respect for Kevin Spacey's range and Woody and mm. uh, House range? of Cards. Like, what do you mean range? The range that he can bring oh, to I it. Because, like, like, Tom, you can't be saying range. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, um, not. It's inappropriate, I think. That's like, yeah, yeah. we're Tom, trying to keep it family friendly. in the vault. Kevin Spacey, I He's thought, was phenomenal in American Beauty. Do you remember American Beauty? Yes. English is my fifth language. You can't say Completely <laughs> phenomenal, and take him back from American Beauty to Verbal Kent and Usual Suspects, and then go to House of Cards, and tell me that oh. is not like an actor's actor. Yeah, he's Henry was the same way, mm -hmm. and I appreciated him because he was a great Bond villain. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he was such a good Bond villain that that kept him out of a role that I thought he could have played because mm -hmm. he was he was a contender to be a next Bond. Wait, was no. Was Henry a Bond villain? Was no. he Tom? Well, he was a villain. You know, Wait, was he? No, was he? No. I may have just blown that one up. Wait, no, I think he was no, he's on, on Mission Impossible. No. Oh, yeah. He was oh, a bad Mission guy in Mission Impossible. Impossible. So, he was a great villain. That's that's interesting. Who would your guys' top three picks for Bond be? For 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 the future? Yes. For the wow. according to today's DI, if you want DI times, I would say Queen Latifah. I think. <laughs> no, no. no. I think, By the way, uh, I think uh, if we want to go, maybe. <laughs> Uh, or someone saying, oh, if you're asking, I, I want a high DI score. Don't you want yeah, a high DI yeah. score to well, get funded? We got to get funded. A person of color. I just fumbled that. I just fumbled Stevie that. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, because you have to be, you have to have, because the new DI thing is, you have to have uh, a disability, a person of color. Stevie, Stevie Wonder. Wonder. And have a shooting, limp. He's so just shooting your everybody. Your question is for villain or who should play James Bond? <laughs> James Bond. And I want real answers. Okay, so I'll give you real answers. It was the Mission Impossible. Today to play James Bond. Yes. Today. Today. Who, would, so, who would you cast? I could easily do Ryan Gosling. Easily. I can see him doing oh, that because I've seen him in the one movie where he played in the movie where they're they're trying to catch the mobster. What's his name? Mickey Cohen. Is this the story with Sean Penn is in the movie and he's dating that one beautiful girl that she's uh, the girlfriend of Mickey Cohen. What is the name of the Mickey Gangster Squad? I okay. think, was he in Gangster Squad or no? If you can pull up the cast in Gangster Squad. Did he have an accent? Yeah, yeah okay. Oh. So he gave me the vibes that I think he can play a James Bond. Let me see who else. Kavil could easily do it. Um, you, you have get, to have you, that you get sarcasm. Three. You get three. You, what, what's your last one? Remember, Bond, you need sarcasm. That's like a critical... Yeah, but they have, but, they, but, they, but they've traditionally been from their English. Correct. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, he'd have to put on an accent to be to be an English uh, to Bond. But wow, that's maybe a really I'm good saying this because I love this guy. I just freaking love the way he acts, and I, I don't know he has the look for it because he's got more the rugged look. Yeah, I, I probably I, I don't know. I don't know if I put him. I'm a diehard John Bernthal fan, but I'm not going to put that one in there. I, I really want to give you a, a sincere feedback on Bond today. Mm. He was a finalist. Henry was I would, one of the I would two put, finalists. I would put Henry. I would. I, I would definitely okay. put Henry in the top three. Okay, and then for, who's your other for two? sure. Um, who's the other English actor? Um, who he was in? Um, he he was like he had multiple personality syndrome throughout the whole movie. Switch or uh, split? Yeah, yeah. He uh, could, Christian Bale could do it with his eyes closed. I think Bale could pull it off. Let me find out. Um, I'll find out the name of the guy. He's a freaking. I phenomenal. can't see Matthew McConaughey at all. What do you uh, think, Tom? Well. I, I look at it and, you know, I, I, I screwed up what I said earlier. Henry okay. was an amazing villain in Mission Impossible. And people thought he was too villainous 
to be the virtuous Bond, that his his characters and the things he had done maybe weren't quite there, and that he lacked the the British sarcasm that is needed. So, Tom, role. who do you think? Which he does not. That, so I, I have a hard time with it. You know, I agree with you, Ryan Gosling, but it's like the last one, it's like they, they kind of pull him out of the hat. I mean, who was Roger Moore back in the day before he was James Bond? Right. Pierce so Brosnan was knew. doing Remington Steel on oh, you TV. Oh, you know who else could pull it off? Somebody up and coming, maybe. You know who else could do it? He, he could do it as well. I can see Tom uh, Hardy doing James mm, Bond. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, can see him doing it. Okay, my three, my three would be, yeah, oh, gosh, it's a, it's a toss up between. So I, I do think Henry would be amazing. Um, I think uh, Idris Elba would be incredible. Monster. I mean, he's such an, a beautiful actor. And I think, uh, you know, I could see him pulling that off. Um, and then um, I, I would kind of be with Tom on leaving it up to maybe uh, a new up and coming person, younger maybe, who can just own the role and make it his own, uh, which there are a lot of amazing, maybe one of those Dune Dune actors. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's got to be the right, it's got to be the right chemistry. I don't, I don't know. Casino the- Royale was a bit of a remake, but remember we all doubted a blonde James Bond and he's not really this or that. And then Casino Royale came out the remake and you're like, holy smoke. Listen, yeah. I don't know about you guys, Pat nailed it with the DI, like all you, you guys saw, I think since we're trying to go, it's woke, like a Dylan Mulvaney, hear me out, and just, he's just like 007, and it's just, instead of the martinis, he's just like, I just, a Bud Light. What do you think, Rob? No? No, he would want the double martini. He want the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Shake and not stir. No, but oh, yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> I'm allergic. What about uh, James McElvoy? He's the guy from, oh. from Split. That'd yeah. be a, he's a, you, you that guy. You know ridiculous. who Rob just sent, which I'm a big fan of? Who? Colin Farrell. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Colin Farrell did the Penguin, right? And Batman. Colin yeah. Farrell has He's been ridiculous. in... He was in Tigerland, a movie most people haven't seen. Great hair. Uh, 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 I'm, just, I'm a big fan of Colin Farrell as well. He's a little too old. You know, you need, you need, you need to be 40 because you're going to... Oh, yeah. That's... Uh, what's his name? Really sharp, yeah. sharp guy that just played Elvis. Um, what is the guy's name? As he's in Dune. Uh, yeah, Austin Butler. Yeah. Austin Butler, man. That, that guy like is incredible and, there, and there's a couple scroll up to see the rest of the cast of the dune i'm i'm super excited about dune by the oh, way me you and me both i'm uh, i loved the first one ridiculous um, I'm, I'm gonna be obsessed with the second one yeah. and i already know it um when's it come there's out? a couple oh uh Tim, timothy chalamet no i can't see him as he's well. a little young um how old is austin butler 23 probably 25 he's super young he's yeah. not a uh, uh, no, he's 32. Oh, okay. 32. Well, you know he what? looks 23. Let me 25. tell you, that's about perfect because. You want to start a whole new. Because you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they want, no, no, they want it for three movies. Look at Daniel Craig. I mean, Daniel Craig. When Bond turns 45, you're you're done being Bond, mm-hmm. right? Because you got to have the tone. You got to have yeah, the, the, the body. I mean, we've, we've got now, you know, graphics and everything that Although, changes I gotta everything. Say, I don't know if it's just me getting older, but I find, you know. I find uh, that women and men, and it probably is me getting older, they're getting sexier as they get older. Um, I used to tell Henry, like, you know, while he was like struggling uh, with some stuff, I was like, listen, you wait till you're 40 and your 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 career is going to, you know, explode because for some reason in this business, you know, you need to put in your time, see that, you know, show everybody that you can handle it. And then um, I had another uh, British actor friend of mine who was like, you know, having trouble getting auditions and everything. And I was like, grow out your gray hair, grow out your hair. You need to show your human side. 
And sure enough, he nailed the role and got it. And they said, we really like your gray hair. <laughs> cool. So Do you I think we like get sexier as we get older? I actually, I, I feel Tom, like. Tom, grow thank, up that white beard. That's why I'm, my white go. hair. Thank God my wife feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but by the way, talking about MMA UFC. So. Uh, oh, were we? I thought we were talking well, about now, Bond. now going away, transitioning <laughs> to a different topic. We but were all, all grappling. You, you, your first, I think you had the first female live fight on Showtime was yours, right? right. You, you came out the gates. I think your first six fights, like you almost lost and you, you would not, it was relentless. The way, it was so entertaining watching you fight mm-hmm. crazy, right? The way you would fight. And you, you had the punch, you had the kick, but when they got you to the ground, you'd get up, you'd get out of it. Submission, you were able to do a lot of it. It was, it was very, a lot of fun watching you first. I attribute that to gymnastics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Put your kids in gymnastics. Um, gymnastics teaches you so much about uh, controlling every part of your body. Gymnastics yeah, and gymnastics. MMA, really? Well, I did that when I was younger. So I had uh, tap, jazz, and ballet, and gymnastics uh, when I was younger, and then I got into sports. But I believe gymnastics gave me the full body awareness and function of how every muscle works. Is that more the flexibility? So when you're you're cornered and you're pinned where the average person may feel severe pain, you may not because your body is flexible or no, that's got nothing to do with it. No, but I mean, I'm uh, like, you're going to scramble out of certain, you know, if if your mind is creative, which gymnastics has you be be creative, um, you're going to scramble and be able to get out of those bad situations. And also, you know, you can't teach heart really. And so it's like, Mm. it's not You could see that with you when you were fighting. It's definitely like... It's in there, you know. That's cool. No, so, I mean, you know, uh, in bodybuilding, Arnold, they used to take ballet lessons because it would be, it would be when you would pose. So mm-hmm. it was kind of, everybody would fun, laugh at him and like, no, later on, everybody started doing it because mm-hmm. there was this back in the days, uh, uh, one guy who was an incredible p- uh, poser. The beard, the guy with the beard? What's the his older name? Guy? What is his name? It's not Franco Colombo. It's the guy no. prior to him. He, I think he, he passed away. Great pose. Anyways. I'll think about his name. So going back to it. So first, then you fight Cyborg. And then after Cyborg, and Cyborg at that time doesn't look like Cyborg, by the way. When you look at Cyborg with the fight with you, I almost couldn't recognize her. And then Cyborg becomes Cyborg. But there was a moment where Ronda Rousey said her inspiration to become who she became was you. You inspired Ronda Rousey. Am I saying that uh, correctly? Yeah. 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 You know, Ronda has... You know, just been such a respectful, you know, she was such a little shit talker all through her career. But the one person she didn't really shit talk was me, really. That's cool. And she um, she really always did give me that tribute. And um, to have inspired, <laughs> to not have been, you know, made the walk in the UFC and gotten the fight, to have the person that did, you know, really break down those, those barriers. And um, that is just... Uh, it's very special to me, and I think she's a very special person. I, know, I think she gets a really bad um, rep, and she, you know, people like to paint her as the bad guy. But um, for what though? Just because she likes, she likes to play the heel. She's a mind being the heel. I you know? freaking love it. Yeah, I, I'm and sure so, Dana loves it. You know, not. I'm sure he loved it. He loved it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's just certain people's personalities, you know. But I think when you look deeper at the person that she is, which I, you know, I watch and I study people. I think it was a very special, special person. Was it, is it true that Dana almost pu- was trying to pull off a fight with the two of you guys uh, uh, having a big fight? Well, it was really funny because me and Dana had a conversation while I was fighting uh, right before I fought Cyborg. Uh, you know, Dana ha- and Lorenzo uh, Fertitta had me into their office. And um, basically, 
they were like, you know, we'd like you to come over and be our, you know, first uh, company's first female fighter. Um, and I just couldn't do that because I had my promises and my contract to Strike Force. So you couldn't leave? Um, no. And at no. that time, UFC, uh, this is 15 years ago. This is a while back. A while ago, yeah. Right. So it wasn't like UFC was a. Was massive yet. There well, was there was no females. Yeah, right. And there was what at that time was what Pride, Strike Force, UFC. UFC was pretty big at that time. Fifteen. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that was a basically the prime, like like in my opinion, the the old school prime. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Is, so that that would be what Rampage is that the uh, Rashad Couture. Evans, Randy Couture, yeah. Chuck. That's mm-hmm. the that's the era. Tito. Tito. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a that was a fun era. I don't disagree. And it yeah. was like uh, those were times where, and this is also relating to the movie industry. It's where the people get to pick their champion. So now it feels like you know what the studio is doing is they're controlling. You know, they're controlling the media, they're controlling the critics, they're controlling everything, and they're not letting the the, the people pick. Hey, I like Gina Carano. I like her. Let's build her. And and that takes away from the art of it yeah. and the fun of it, yeah. you know? And so it's like, we want to root for someone. We want to, as a public, want to get together. And we want to be like, we helped that girl become who she was because she, you know, we saw her. And I think nowadays studios are like, nope, you know, we're going to tell you through the publicist who we're going to put you on your magazines, who we're going to promote, who we're going to interview, who's going to play by our rules. And um, it's just so manufactured and it takes away from art. So so was was it close of you fighting Ronda or no, that wasn't really, it was more just um, yes, you going no, over? No, no, we definitely, um, we definitely, uh, I just needed, I needed six months because, you know, First of all, like weight cutting for me during that time, you know, I, I would struggle because all of the women were in the 135, you know, weight division and I could get down to 145, but there was only twice in my career that I got down to 136 and 139. And that is like chopping off a leg for me. Um, it was so difficult, but that's where all of the women were at that time because there wasn't a lot of women. So um, I sat down with Dana and I was like, well, I wish you guys would have approached me five years ago. You know, like I've been waiting for this. And so I was like, I just need some time and I need you to keep it quiet, Dana. You know, keep it really quiet so I can go in. I didn't have a gym. I would have to go reemerge myself into a gym, which when I go into gyms, people put cameras on me and, you know. Leak the stuff. To yeah. The, and got it's, it. It's, it's you have to find and build your team. And I wasn't living in Las Vegas, which is where my team was. So I was living in L.A. and it would have been hard and I needed to rebuild a team and, you know, do it right. And so then, you know, Dana and I love him now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing. He's been amazing now. But then, you know, Dana's Dana. He was like out there like, you know, he immediately started talking about it. And I, it made my life very difficult to try to go into that. Um, but then but then what happens when you've got this other career going and you care about, you know, you know, you really care about you know, acting and, and continuing on the art because art will outlast fighting, right? Can't fight forever. That's true. So I want to make sure I kept my art going. Then shows up Deadpool and then shows up, you know, another movie. And so it is a very difficult thing to try to do both of those things at once. And um, when I, in my head, I'm just so passionate about the, the storytelling and, um, in the last couple of years, I've just been passionate about trying to get back into that, you know. So. You're, you're, because uh, I'm, when, when Rhonda fought Holly, uh, people underestimated Holly, but the people who knew Fight Game, like when I would talk to people who are in that world, they're like, listen, do not underestimate. Oh, I knew that. Was, ha- I, I called it. Yeah, she's a she's a beast, right? Yeah, so I trained with Holly. Um, you, I, I lived in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I've never seen 
uh, a woman or possibly, no, actually, you know, my partner now is uh, the the hardest worker I'll ever know. Um, he's into Muay Thai and was one of like the first uh, Muay Thai, Kevin Ross. And, but uh, second to hard workers, I'd say Holly, Ho- Holly Holmes. No joke. Like is the hardest worker. Interesting. Wow. She runs, she does all of the stuff. She's so disciplined. Um, it's it, it was a beautiful thing to be around, and um, you know, it was it was really cool. If if your peak, your thoughts. I mean, you're 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 somebody that you know understands the fight game and and knows it. We're just fans. Your peak against Ronda's peak. Who wins the fight? I do. You think so? I love Absolutely. That. Tell me why. Why do you think? Um. Because I pack a hell of a punch. <laughs> <laughs> she did too, though. No. No, Ronda Rousey like was a choker. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I know I've had, you know, I know how she punches. Uh, I punched like a trucker. <laughs> I might have to get punched after this, but <laughs> just have Gina it, knock me out. So what area would she have the edge over you? The ground. Okay. Obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm scrambling, so... It's no disrespect, and I'm sure she'd say the same thing. She would win. Um, but I that's just something I know. That would have been a good Because fight. I know, like, after you've been punched like that, right, after you got shook, she got shook twice, Amanda Nunes and Holly Holmes. And um, I believe, you know, I think I, uh, I'm one of the hardest punchers that women's mixed martial arts has ever but, seen. By the way, go, go, go. So how, what about you against Holly or you against Amanda? Um, those would be more interesting. I think, uh, with Holly, it would be, uh, it would be more of, you'd want to be in the best shape of your life and it would be more get her to the ground. But I also believe that, um, Muay Thai beats, uh, you know, kickboxing in every way. So, um, she's more of a kickboxer and I feel, uh, but she does have the experience though. And so there's, you know, that would be a little bit more, I think, of an interesting fight. Um, and Amanda Nunes, she's got that cyborg energy and uh, has been retired for a while. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that one would be difficult. That would be more. She's a monster. When I watch her fight, you kind of like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And she comes in. She's crazy. She's, she's almost like that smile is intimidating. Yeah. But then, yeah. who's, the, who's the Mexican, uh, who's, who's the one she fought and she lost where she just wouldn't give up? Cortez. Cortez, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and she was which, interesting to watch. Um, which was awesome, right? Yeah. She oh. was the underdog there. Super. Just, like, nobody yeah. thought she stood a chance. But Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it wasn't Not her. this no, one. No. This no. is not the one. You would know. Just type in, uh, type in Nunes Cortez. That's all you got to do. Cortez. Nunes just got lost. Or maybe it's. Her loss was against her. Maybe it's not Cortez. Cortez. Go to images, Rob. Go to images. That fight was really awesome. That, that that one surprised me. Just type in who. Just type in Nunez and go to Wikipedia and you'll see who she lost to. Uh, Amanda. Uh, but regardless, while we have this moment, um, I love all of these women. I think they're incredible. And, you know, it's easy to sit here from a microphone and say I would and I wouldn't. Um, but you know, I do, I, I do want to you guys okay, that, Juliana Pena. that I mean, honest I, I personally would have my money. I, I'm, I'm not being real. Cause I mean, I, I, I watched Rhonda from when she started to, she, like you said, she was more of a judo was her judo, judo. or her, yeah. her discipline. Mm-hmm. She didn't, she never really boxed and she never really, you know, used her hands. And I mean, Holly Holmes was that match where Holly kept her away from her and was, you know, kicking and punching. But mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I think you'd have the edge. If it came down to you, and it would be fun. My thing. It, it would It'd be, be very it would, fun. It would, it would be pretty difficult if it went to the ground, which it could. Um, with uh, 
Oh yeah, she was like a, 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 a octopus. She was just trying to grab people yeah, and grab them. Like, yeah, she's dangerous. But you can you can obviously see that you can stay away from going on the ground with her. And then with um, Holly, it would be um, very tough because she's also a boxer. It'd be tough standing. I think a lot. I think she's done a lot of practice with wrestling and jujitsu. So it'd I'm, be- I'm, this makes sense because you, you, the controversy with uh, the Ronda fight against Holly was that the coach got criticized for making her believe that she could beat him, beat her standing up rather than taking it to the ground. I think it was an Armenian or somebody that I, was I involved so. in it. That was some controversy. I had some, insi- I had some inside stuff, too, and this might have been it, but somebody w- went up to me, another comedian. I don't want to say his name, but he knows who he is. He went up to me and goes, Vinny, bet, and he's never talked about gambling. He goes, bet the house on Holly Holm. Yeah. I was like, how do you know? Yeah. Honestly, Gina, he goes, she's fighting with her boyfriend. He goes, they've been in a fight. This guy's into the whole, and he knows all the oh. UFC people. He goes, they're, they're arguing, they're fighting. She's miserable. She hasn't slept and trained. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were watching it together. She kicked her in the face. And he goes, I told you so. Wow. And I was like, damn it. Who do you I, like today? Who do you like today from uh, from the men's side? Who do you oh like today? Oh, gosh. Um, I was really uh, happy for Brian T-City uh, the other night. Mm-hmm. It was awesome to see him. He's been through a lot. Um, you know, I've actually really been into the one championship, uh, Muay Thai and MMA fights a lot. And I think that they have some of the best, uh, most quality fighters that are, you know, actually worldwide. And so if one championship were to, you know, bring their promotion here, um, you know, that would be really interesting. My first love is Muay Thai. Um, So like Kevin Ross, who is my partner, was one of the first American, uh, you know, uh, I guess legends that you'd say that made it popular. Um, And oh, wow. Yeah, there he is. He's. He's at home right now taking care of the chickens and the patients. <laughs> and and the country has just made him look that much better. He retired. And the pregnant horse. And the pregnant horse. Yeah, yeah we have a pregnant horse. I was like, you know, something's having, not me, <laughs> but something ha- something's having a baby on this property. Yeah. Gina, who, who would you say is okay, the, the number it? one, the top male UFC fighter of all time? Who would you have to, if you had to pick one, who would be your number one that you got like you have to hey we were picking bonds bond people well would be- i'm i might be the wrong person to uh, ask that why because i'm more of like a if you i don't care if a fighter loses or wins yeah um i file i like the people's champ i like the people that uh that know how to win the crowd, the crowd. and those are the people like the diaz brothers i feel like they always win a, win the crowd yep um are you connor are you a connor mcgregor are you a masvidal I, guy um yeah, he wins the like, crowd. Yeah, I love uh, anybody yeah. who wins the crowd. I think Connor has um he's incredible. I mean, we we I love big personalities like that 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 shake the room, you know, and so I feel like he wins the crowd and when he doesn't feel like he's winning, he's going to disappoint the crowd yeah. and he's going to make you feel it and it's going to like take away from the people's champ, you yeah. know. So he's got a very beautiful talent there. Um Donald Cerrone's incredible. I worked with him. Um, he's like a big brother that never stops like poking you. <laughs> but, yeah, um, interesting. But an incredible actor, by the way. We put him in Terror on the Prairie. And um, it's, uh, you know, Randy Couture. Randy Couture is uh, a legend and a beautiful person. So there's just so many that I personally worked with. Well, Gina, this has been a blast. Uh, can you tell the audience if there's anything you're currently working on or anything that you that they can follow you on? Uh, 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 it'd be great for them to know so they can support. Yeah, I um, well, I'd first love to thank you all for your support already because had that support not happened, I wouldn't be sitting here. I would still be in the desert. So I've got a fighting chance here and I support it. And that came from the support of so many for so long around the world. 
Um, so that's what I appreciate. Um, what I'm working on right now is I've um, kind of revamped and cleaned out my team. And I've got a, a new manager I'll announce who was a producer, and now he's um, taking me on as his first client. So I have a, uh, I'm building up this new team who have um, existing, you know, properties, but also um, things that I am creating. And so um, I want to give somebody to some, something, to, I want to give you all something to root for. Um, it's been, it's been a, a tough couple years trying to get this monkey off of my back. And so I feel I'm at the start of that. And uh, I'm so excited to keep creating because I think that um, I'm just going to surprise, I'm going to surprise the world in ways that I already have. And I look forward to uh, doing that. I love it. Rob, if we can put anything to direct social or website, whatever it may be, so the audience can go follow. And uh, we're here to support you. We're excited to see what happens next. What a wonderful story. What a great soul you are. And you got fancier. Thanks. You got fancier. So again, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you. Gang, uh, tomorrow we will have a podcast with Eric Prince that will come out first thing in the morning. And then we will do this again next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.